Hello and welcome to the Super Show podcast. Today I am your host Alex Jones and I am joined by the one and only the font of all gaming knowledge, the man in the know. I'm of course talking about Jamie. Oh, Hello sir. Do you, know, do you want to know what's embarrassing about that is you said the word font and I was hooked on the idea of like like lettering, like a font as if you're choosing a font on Microsoft Word. And I was like What's the relevance of that in any of this? And then I remembered <laughs> baptisms. Yes, you forgot. You forgot about the religious angle. Um, yeah. Is it within? I'm guessing font with an e, isn't it? It's f o n t e, right? If it's that kind of font, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I think it's French. Really, they should put an acute on that e. So it's uh, it's, it's a fonte. Actually, we Ooh. took my. Uh, my child to be baptized in a fonte. <laughs> they should. That would make it much more classy. Yeah. I was I was going to say I'm not going to say anything. I shouldn't say anything about religion. It's always a bad bad route to go down, isn't it? <laughs> right, let's go fiery. Let's no, like, live. let's make some mistakes, baby. I do you know. I, I always think whenever I think religion, because you kind of think these days that sort of the Christians and the Catholics and all that. And I suppose the Catholics are the Christians, but the Christians in general that they're one. They're people you can just insult, right? A lot of people seem to think, and they can get away with it. I started working in social media. And before I started, so this is going back about 13, 14 years, um, they'd had death threats at the company that I joined because they made a video called Pope Dogs. And they had videos of little dogs wearing little Pope hats. And they just thought it was cute. Like they thought it was fun and, and that. And they got like thousands of death threats. Um, so yeah, turns out you cannot just ridicule whoever you want. And you shouldn't. Love for everyone. Agreed. Yeah, you should take care. I Don't get me wrong. I think the Pope... In, in in all his various uh, iterations and forms that he has taken and will continue to take, uh, as weird as a way as that is to talk about a human being, is open for some ridicule. Like I think if you like try like move around in a weird glass box that's been converted into a car again, like you're open for a few jokes here and there. But I don't know. Maybe that that's just me speaking as a non-religious type. Have you seen Spotlight? No, I'm joking. I'm not. We're not going down that route. Let's, uh, yeah. let's, let's um, roll it back. We are a gaming podcast, if you couldn't figure that out. And this week is an extremely exciting in the one in the world of gaming because we have been rammed full of tasty morsels. I'm talking trailers, world premieres, gaming, footage, um, interviews, dev conferences, yeah. all sorts of random stuff has been coming thick and fast. And Jamie, we have been privy to much of it. And we've live streamed some of it. So if you want to go back and check some of those shows out and you haven't seen them to this point, Maybe head over to the YouTube channel um, at Super Show Pod on YouTube, and you can see Jamie and I react to some of that stuff live. But that is not what we're doing today, because today is the podcast. Um, and so if you did miss out on that stuff, or you're not going to watch it in video format, then hopefully we can at least do something to catch you up uh, to the point we are at now and some of the news that has been coming out of all these shows um, so thank you very much for joining us. You can find us on pod podcasting platforms and on YouTube. I'm talking Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or anywhere uh, you happen to get your podcast from. What do they always say? Like all good bookshops. So all yeah, good exactly. podcast platforms. I suppose yeah. the um, the insinuation that if we're not on there, it's not good. So yeah. Me. Well, it's, it's almost like a form of intimidation because if you're a bookshop owner that heard that advert, you're like, well, I have to stock this now. There's no way I'm going to be slighted as a bad bookshop. <laughs> Imagine if that worked. I would love to know if that ever worked. Um, if a book bookshop owner was like, "God damn, I don't have that book. I must be one of the bad ones." But I mean, I, I would be self conscious about it if I were a bookshop owner. Um, I tell you how we can find out. We can ask ChatGPT because everything ChatGPT says is in fact correct, accurate, and foolproof. 
So um, I, will, I will ask it after the show. Um, we are also available on paisleyradio.com Thursdays at 10 p.m. and repeated Mondays at 10 p.m. If you would like to listen to us on internet radio in an old school but new wave way, then uh, you can check us out like that. But, Jamie, um, I think yeah. we're going to have to do this in chronological order, aren't we? Um, yeah, let's do, let's do that for the sake of our brains, if nothing else. Yeah, so this is not in order of goodness. This is just going in the uh, the order we decided to put this information down because on Thursday of um, last week now, wow, I, I completely forgot what day it was then. It's Monday. It's fucked, isn't it? It is fucked. Thursday of last week, we had Summer Game Fest. Uh, Jeff Keeley treated us to a trove of exciting content and a shiny jacket. Um, not such shiny shoes. Yeah. No, the, the, the shoes were a little bit of a disappointment, but I, I, I think you made a good point. He made up for it with the jacket. Oh, that being said, for as much as I'm enjoying sort of like recreating a mental image of Jeff Keighley uh, from memory at the moment, I, I, I can't tell you how disturbing it is that you keep reminding me that that was Thursday. Um, like that's actually an, in, an interesting litmus test for how successful or how, you know, sort of like brimming with content this week has been. And how much it has been, you know, a solid substitute for what we once referred to as E3 is the fact that Thursday feels like an eternity ago, like 70 days and 70,000 video games ago. But apparently, yes, Thursday it was. Well, uh, let's kick off um, because at Summer Game Fest, we got to see, as I said, a whole host of exciting content. Um, one that I was not expecting, but I'm very grateful for, Jamie, was the Prince of Persia, the Lost Crown which is doing something to alleviate my sadness at the state that Prince of Persia franchise was in um, before this announcement. Do you think that's why this game was greenlit? Like someone went back to Eve and was like, hey, you know that Sands of Time remake? We're going to have to just restart the whole fucking thing. And he was like, right, get a 2.5D game in development now. I want that game out by the, by the Q1 2024. That's the, only thing, it only, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Like that, that, that I, I think that is exactly what they did. But what doesn't make sense is they had a remake of Sands of Time. It should have been surely very, basically easy to put that thing together, but they well, screwed yeah. the pooch so badly. I'm going to guess that they made an entirely new game in the time it's taken them to break the remake. Oh, like, yeah. Like, or, or they almost have to have. And now you start to have to wonder. We haven't even talked about this game yet, but like, I'm still interested in, like, do you now at this point try and disappear the Sands of Time remake very quietly. Don't because say that. I, I, I just don't know how I feel about these two things coexisting because to sort of not to jump the gun on discussing the Lost Crown and its and its merits and what we thought of the gameplay, but like, there's absolutely no reason to believe why this couldn't kickstart a new sort of sub-series for the Prince of Persia franchise. Why would you want that running and in a remake that harkens back to the 3D games that some people, like Mr. Jones opposite me, um, still obsess over? <laughs> yeah very true very true but hey let's talk about yeah, the game yeah, crossed. yeah exactly yeah. let's talk let's about the game um, so yeah as you said it's like a 2.5D um, Prince of Persia game with a very nice aesthetic like cartoony aesthetic not worrying about the um, you know going too realistic going too 3D and it it looked pretty stunning and I think you even said when it first popped up it looked like an original Prince of Persia um, possible remake or reimagining um, yeah which it looked very cool Absolutely. Um, like the art style, I think is solid. Like some of the visual work they've got going on is like, is looks pretty sharp. I know some people have reacted slightly negatively to maybe the attitude of the game for want of a better way of putting it. 
some people are looking at the design of the prints or even the music that was used in the trailer and sort of saying, oh, is this a bit too edgy? To those people, I would say, if you think the prince has never been edgy before, um, I'll remind you of his deep, dark emo <laughs> phase during the PS2. Um, there have been a lot of interpretations of the prince um, over the years. This is just one of them. I think he looks absolutely fine. Apparently, at least some of the team between the um, Rayman Origins and Rayman Legends games from uh, the previous generation, which were absolutely wonderful, are present here. I've also heard some word of uh, potential Metroidvania elements. So this, I mean, for me, this is ticking a lot of boxes. Um, you, know, you know what this seems like, Jonesy? I'm going to do it. It's the first game of this entire podcast, and I'm going to do the thing. I mean, someone's bingo card is, is already lit up. This will be a great Switch game. Do you know what? I think you're right. I think it would be a great Switch game. Um, so yeah, if you didn't see it, it's, a, it's listed as a stylish and thrilling action-adventure platformer um, set in a mythological Persia where the boundaries of time and space are yours to manipulate. The, I think the only worry that I had with it, obviously like the aesthetics and stuff look really cool. I like the art style. Um, it does look like a great Switch game. It looks like something you could sit down and like go for you know, a couple of hours on. It does look like a game that might grow old relatively quickly. It might grow a little bit because these days, obviously with re- remakes and things, we've, we've been treated, I think, to a lot of... Um, or maybe overly treated you know it's not just a uh like a it's not just like a reimagining or an updated version of something it's a basically a ground up remake and they make these incredible games and they say oh and everyone says oh it's it's resident evil 3 you know but it's not it's a brand new game which is just, just called resident evil 3 and looks absolutely incredible if you get where i'm coming from whereas this is a bit more like a a fun i don't want to say mobile game that's that's that seems too oh harsh. that seems harsh it's not mobile game but you like mo- a mobile is in something you can take around with you and play like on a switch or maybe on like a steam deck or something like that. I can imagine. I was just saying that because I think that there's been a lot of good work done in this sort of 2.5 D action platformer space in the last five years. When you look at the games like uh, dead cells or hollow Knight or um, the Ori games or even like Metroid dread or something like that. And I think the Prince of Persia with the potential for, um, you know, a fun combat system the time manipulation uh, skills or however that kind of stuff plays out. And of course, platforming has also been a big part of the Prince of Persia um, sort of formula. I think that there are a lot of things it has going for it that it could potentially combine to make a very solid one of those, for want of a better way of putting it. And as I think some of the examples I just brought up are still, you know, extremely revered and, and well thought of to this point. So I don't see any reason why Prince of Persia, the Lost Crown can't, snuggle its way into that kind of conversation no i, I should i i didn't mean mobile as in like mobile phone i meant mobile as in like on the oh, go okay. on the go that, kind of like fun game i didn't mean mobile. there has, as in there mobile has been game. a game it like must have been years ago now that you did do the sort of it looks like a mobile phone game argument for and it, it really annoyed me and i'm not going to be able to remember what game it was i shouldn't have said that like that, that that as soon as i said it i was like i don't mean a mobile i don't mean like a phone game i mean like a some i was thinking what you were thinking like a game that i, I could play on my switch game. on the go pick up and play thank you yeah so like if you're sitting on the train or if you're on like a flight i bet it's a lot of fun i don't necessarily know that it was something that would i would spend t- time and time again like sitting on my sofa playing um when i've got a lot of other options but no it, yeah it looked it looked cool um, but let ne- me guess if they use Godsmack music on the trailer it would be day one you're so grateful Jones okay I'm yeah. there of course <laughs> of course <Yeah. laughs> something else that Godsmack would work probably quite well in Mortal Kombat <laughs> 1 
Hell yeah, the, the, it would actually be a perfect fit. Um, this looked cool, man. Like I, I know neither of us. Well, actually, I feel like you're more of a fighting game guy than me. Especially going back historically, you've got some roots in, you know, even Street Fighter land that I don't. So, I mean, what did you make of all of this? I, I used to be big into my fighting games back in the day. Um, as you know, uh, Mortal Kombat, the original Mortal Kombat on the SNES, you can never get better graphics than that because that is photo realistic. So. Yeah. They're photos. They're just, like, like photos. Where, did, where else do you go? That aside, uh, this did look fantastic. Very nicely made um, game. I think I was saying during the gameplay that we were watching some of those, uh, sorry, some of the backgrounds and some of the depth that they've added to some of those levels look really nice. They've taken this right back. I think you were sort of saying to me about how the, so this is where, I'm going to get this totally wrong now. Liu Kang has become the god of fire and he has created his own universe and he's effectively like recruiting all the characters from Mortal Kombat, but now they're all kind of different. So, for example, Sub Zero and uh, Scorpion seem to be best buds, which is quite surprising. Raiden isn't uh, the god of lightning um, when this all sort of kicks off. Um, but yeah, so they've they've got the space there to uh, put a whole new story, a whole new lore from Mortal Kombat um, down, which is cool. And it and of course finishers, finishers galore. They were gory. They look pretty epic. <laughs> Yeah, like I think overall it just looked like a really solid package. I think that the story stuff that you all outlined there is even more exciting because I think that uh, MK's, uh, especially 10 and 11, moved in this direction where even if you're not a particularly skilled or experienced fighting game player, there's enough range in the sort of the difficulty selections and the sort of assists on offer that you can see those stories through and they're actually quite cinematic and engaging. And so seeing them kind of have a timeline reset and find new or intriguing ways to kind of mess with people's expectations around these characters' origins sound fun. And yeah, the other thing that stood out to me was something that you pointed out uh, earlier, which was just like the level of finesse, like when you saw the way that it went seamlessly from the character to select screen to the cameo select screen, which for anyone that hasn't seen it, cameos, and it's a new feature where you essentially have a second fighter with you and you can call them in to perform uh, moves uh, you know, at certain intervals, kind of on a cooldown, um, either as part of a combo or as a combo breaker on your opponent. And in the way they kind of clashed when you chose all your fighters, uh, they went you know, heavy on the sort of the, the blur and the depth of field. And then as the camera pulled back out, you were already in the stage without a loading screen. Those are the kind of cool things that I imagine take advantage of the PS5 and the Xbox Series X's, you know, well, I guess... They're both SSDs, right? It's just that Sony were much louder about theirs. Um, yeah, they were like, much louder. <laughs> yeah, Mark Cerny wanked off over his SSD more than anyone at, <laughs> um, at Microsoft uh, did the Xboxes. But yeah, that like presentation looked great. Ed Boon out on stage was, was fun to see. Um, good stuff. Absolutely. Um, next up, we had uh, Path of Exile 2 from Grinding Gear Games, the sequel to uh, the dark fantasy action RPG Path of Exile. Um, if you like uh, Diablo and you've had enough of Diablo 4 already, maybe you're super excited to get your hands on Path of Exile 2 um, when that drops. Not not one for me, maybe, as the... Yeah. Yeah, I think we're both a bit like Wait, calling it, but I'm sure there'll be a lot of Path of Exile fans out there who are very sure. excited. I think even the fact that Jeff mentioned Diablo 4 when introing Path of Exile 2 made the whole thing feel like slightly unfortunate timing, but like you said, POE fans will be eating well. Um, Exoprimal and Street Fighter Six are getting a crossover. 
um, if you like dinosaurs and beating the shit out of people, then you'll be uh, you'll be getting fed. There you go. As you've said, the Path of Exile aren't eating. It's also going to be the Exile Primal Street Fighter crossover bros that are going to be enjoying that one. Um, but yeah, that was cool. Even more cool was the daddy himself, Nicolas Cage, who popped out to join um, uh, Jeff on stage as he was introducing his character um, in Dead by Daylight. This was pretty wicked. I'm, I did like, we yeah. were trying to guess who the celebrity cameos were going to be and neither of us got this. No, and it was one of those things where I was like, they'd already announced that Nick Cage was going to be in Dead by Daylight prior to the show. So I didn't think I could get much out of this, but then I always forget, you know, how uniquely charismatic, enigmatic, all of, like, all of the above that Nick Cage can be. And it's funny, he, 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 he talked a fair amount, but it was all weirdly engaging. And it was nice to see how, you know, he had a little spiel about how he wants every single part of his character to be him down to every, you know, sigh or every single, you know, tiny gesture. He wanted that to be his voice and his performance. I think he said it was to, like, increase the connection between him and the player or something. I don't know. It's just always fun when a celebrity really gets into something. It's just slightly weird when the thing they're getting into is a kind of... I, I cover your ears, Dead by Daylight fans, but like, <laughs> a, like a weird sort of like janky-looking multiplayer horror game that I've just never been able to get into. It was funny that you, you sort of get Nick Cage on stage, and he's uh, yeah, he's like a very not excited was the wrong word. But he's like you said, he's charismatic. He's like big, and he's got a lot of sort of brimming with excitement. And then you show off the footage for the game, and it does look a bit <laughs> like, mm. but that's his running animation, huh? <laughs> But and, yeah, some of the other, some of the animations that we saw weren't ju- yeah were a little rough around the edges to say uh, to say the least. Um, also found it quite funny that he came on stage looking like fantastic. I said this at the time. The guy's like fifty nine years old, looked amazing. They'd done something to his character model though, where they this is going to sound harsh. You know how when Eminem grows a beard, it looks kind of weird. Yes, they'd given him the Eminem beard. Which I don't know why they did that. Yeah, that was a little. Strange. I don't know either. Especially because everyone said the same thing. Uh, like you point out, when he walked out on stage, was damn, he looks great for a dude. We looked up his age. Is he basically 50, 50, 59, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he looked in great shape. Yes, you know, he's had a, some help from his colorist, but outside of that, like, looked pretty sharp. He did. I'm just trying to find the name of his character that he plays in because he plays some like weird musician, musician, magician, doesn't he? Is no, he a he magician? Said he played himself. Oh, is it himself? Oh. He said that he, he did that whole thing, do you remember, where he says, I play an exaggerated version of oh, an actor of course. Nick Cage. And then we joked about how he's been getting a lot of those roles lately. But I thought, okay, I thought he was going to be given like a name and a character, but he was still, do you know what I mean? I thought he was going to be called something and, but still be himself, but just have a different name. But no, but yeah, you're right. He is just himself. That is why I can't find his name in the game because he is in fact himself. <laughs> that makes total sense. Um, but yeah, no, um, I think we may have to stream that just for Nick Cage, just for some sound effects. That might be quite fun. Yeah. I might come down with a flu that day. Sorry, Jonesy, in advance. <laughs> no worries. I'll do it by myself and I'll get yeah, a, I'll, stream. I'll live stream it and get people to tell me where to go and what to do and what yeah. janky animations <laughs> they want to see. Um, we'll actually watch that. <laughs> up next, um, The Witcher Season 3 got a trailer uh, and we got to see... Um, well, the trailer was for, I guess, part one because they've split Season 3 into two parts which suggests that Henry Cavill is going to come back for two seasons, or not two seasons, two installments of one season. How the hell do you mm. say that? A part one and a part two. 
Um, which I, as a fan of the series, am very happy about because like, the more Henry Cavill I can get, the happier happier I am. So that's pretty pretty good. Um, and you need to watch you, it, Jamie. You need to catch it. I, you know what? I, I'm waiting for the trailer that makes me think, oh, I do need to watch this. And the fact that we're rolling into season three and the final season or like final season, uh, final two seasons, however you want to phrase it, uh, starring you know a, a lead actor that most people have responded to pretty well. I'm kind of sitting on the sidelines thinking, actually, I maybe didn't dodge a bullet. That might be a bit harsh, but I don't need to jump into this thing. And every time I watch one of these trailers, I see the same shit, which is just like, that guy kind of looks like Geralt, but none of the combat <laughs> looks as good as I want it to. None of the CG looks as good as I want it to. None of the humor is as funny as I want it to be. Like, what am I going into this for? And I know it's got it. Yeah, like I've spoken to a lot of people who like that show and they can't all be crazy. Some of them can be, some of them will be but they can't all be crazy. It's a weird one in that season one is definitely the strongest um, out of all for me. And it is the most like the games. And if you want to get a bit of the, um, how the witches interact with the world, it it scratches that itch. But then two starts to get into like a lot more of the magical sh- crap and Yennefer and all that, which I didn't care about anywhere near as much. So I'm hoping they pull it back for three. You've got to go to Care Morn um, in season okay. two and see some of that with Siri, which was cool. Um, but yeah, oh. no. Looking forward to that. I've got it, Jonesy. I'm going to be the contrarian who starts watching when Liam Hemsworth takes over. (laughs) Is it Hemsworth? They confirmed it's Liam Hemsworth. Yeah, it's the younger Hemsworth. I'm out. Season three, part one, part two. He's sexy. No, he's not. Come on. Not as sexy as his big brother, but... If you had to line up Cavill, then the Hemsworth brothers, Liam's in the middle looking like a bit of a turnip, isn't he? Oh, yeah. He's definitely the turnip in that trio, but... 99.9% 99.9% of the human race is a turnip in that trio. <laughs> no, okay, that's true. That's very those, true. Those are two of the most attractive jacked men on the planet. And one of them builds PCs. And is a proper nerd. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Not, but he's not a nerd for weird shit like Warhammer, and he actually kind of loses points for that. But anyway, that's Fair my enough. Henry Cavill <laughs> Fair enough. Um, we got, I think, got a trailer for Witchfire, which we have seen before. We've seen a bit of... Um, you remembered this. I completely forgot that this game even existed. Well, I remembered what it looked like. I didn't remember its name, which is A, telling, and B, a common occurrence in a Jeff Keighley show. Um, it's one of those things that it's a reminder that, like, yes, you've got to have an art style, and yes, you've got to catch people's attention, but when the time comes to tell them the name of your game and when your game is releasing, you really have to make sure you kind of sell it and... Like Witchfire, for some reason, is one of a number of Keeley-esque games that hasn't stuck for me. But it looks cool. I think there are some uh, talented people uh, like from various other FPS franchises of years gone by that are working on it. Um, but it's, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel like a video game yet. Like, I guess. Just for, as a result of the way we've seen it through trailers. Uh, and then a game that you, um, you, me, and Steph streamed back in the day, uh, Remnant. Into the Ashes, was it called? I can't really remember the name. I think it was called Remnant from the Ashes. The from first the one. Ashes. Um, it's getting a sequel. Remnant 2 is coming out, and it looks more futuristic, uh, a bit more sci-fi, tied in with mm. some of that um, fantasy, sort of with a bit of steampunk. It looks right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there are some big Remnant heads out there, so hopefully uh, that game delivers. Uh, and then a bit of a surprise one. I did not see this coming at all. Sonic Superstars. Um, is coming and this is going to be a like massively updated version of the original Sonic uh, like 2D platformers where you can multiplayer with Amy, Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, 
um, and run mm. some of those original sort of levels, it looks like, um, from back in the day, but in a much updated graphical, uh, sort of very pretty world. So yeah, I'm there, I'm there for that. It looks, looks amazing. I, I was, I was quite like pleasantly surprised. They do the kind of splits, split screen transition thing. And when I saw what the new art style looked like, I was like, actually, that seems like a fit for a new Sonic game. Um, I'm not a Sonic guy. Never have been, probably never will be, but this looks like a neat thing. Um, and like you, you were talking to Mia when we were actually watching the live stream, I think, about how you know your kids have been crying out for some co-op Sonic action in this vein. And you know, I'm sure it's going to tick a lot of boxes for not just in your household, but households around the world. I got a sad little look um, earlier because my eldest was like, I'm going to play some Sonic Frontiers. And I said, no, you're not, because the disc drive on my players on the PlayStation 5 is broken. Oh, and his no. little face dropped. And I thought... Just wait until Sonic Superstars comes out, and then we can all play together at the same time, and it'll be good. So. You might have to be like drop your disc boy reputation now that your uh, your drive is broken. Like being a disc boy has actually betrayed you. It really has. But the problem is, I've got so many games on disc that I was like, I'm gonna get them, and I'm gonna because I don't know if people know, but there's a weird thing as well. The PlayStation Five has where if you had a PS4 game that you got the updated PS5 version for. You need the disc in order to play it. And so if you don't have the disc in, you can't play the game, even though you have a fully installed version on the hard drive. It's really annoying. Um, so I'm going to try and rectify the situation some way, somehow. Someone's getting their screwdrivers out this weekend. <laughs> yeah, you know it. Like polishing the lens inside the disc drive. Like, maybe it'll work now. Yeah, exactly. Is there a way I can take this sticker off without breaking the warranty? <laughs> or I just have to suck it up and send it to Sony and get them to fix it. But, you know, we'll see. Um, we got another trailer for Lies of P and a demo as well, which um, dropped. And I've already had the chance to play that I'll mention mm. in our little catch up in a bit. Um, yeah, still looks cool. Yeah, like it looked, it looked very, um, it looked like a From Software game that's not a From Software game. And there are a lot of those, um, or at least there have been a fair amount of them over the years. So I'm curious to hear kind of what you saw and what might differentiate it. Uh, Sandland. We then had up next, which was the sort of cell shaded um, desert roaming. I don't even know what to call it. Interesting looking yeah. style game. Yeah, I think it's a Bandai Namco joint. Um, Toriyama, the guy who did all the art for Dragon Ball, did the art for this. And That's I mean, right, you can yeah. kind of uh, pick it up straight away. It's pretty recognizable for that reason. Uh, but you're right in that, like, genre wise, it was hard to pin down. You, you've got to imagine there's some kind of RPG elements going on here. But there are also sort of lots of vehicular sequences and vehicular combat um, all set within this sort of um, this desert landscape that I believe is based off a manga um, of, I presume, the of same, the same name. name. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that seems like an interesting thing, like one to keep an eye on. But like Bandai Namco haven't been uh, batting 100 for me as far as the, their anime and manga sort of like video game crossovers have gone of late. But, you know... They're I, often I, really bad, so... Well, yeah, that's that's another way of filling it. Um, but then, like, maybe we can do what Dragon Ball Z fans have done for like the entire history of video games, and just close our eyes so tight that we can believe the games we're playing are good. <laughs> Kakarot game of the year, right, guys? I tr I've tried multiple Dragon Ball Z games, and I I think I usually last about an hour and a half before I go. This is so oh, yeah. bad. I have to just uninstall this immediately and never play again. I want to say Chris fell for it every time back in the day. Like every time there's a trailer for like a new Dragon Ball game, Chris would be like, "You know, this could be the one." 
Have you heard of the untitled Dragon Ball Z project? <laughs> like it, this time, you're really going to feel like you're flying around in an open world. And it's like, all right. A lot okay. of them are, are available on um, PlayStation Plus. Like you can download them and play them, which is where I've played them. I have not bought them. Um, and yeah, they're they're. I, I, I will say the um, the fighting games. Like some of the fighting games are pretty fun. Like um, or like um. Was that like Budokai or something on the PS2, the Budokai oh, games? No, there's there's one from, I think it's from PS4 era. There's like a Dragon Universe? Maybe. I can't, I can't, I can't remember. It's where you, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, you, you basically, you can pick like a team of three Dragon Ball Z characters and it's oh, like 3v3 and then you can swap out like tag three, team. Yeah. And it's pretty cool. I, like, those are fun. Those are good, actually. For some reason, I had in my head like the kind of the faux like fighting games they do where it's still kind of like a one beat V one battle, but in a 3d space, but you're right, right. There was that one. I think it was called dragon ball fighters, like or fighter Z or something like Sounds that. Sounds about right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. It was a three V three and it was made by, um, I don't know if it was made by the same studio, but it had the same sort of like hand drawn or like sort of like really well animated art style as the guilty gear fighting games. And right. it just looks so fucking good in motion. You're, you're, you're very right to point that out, and I apologize. So that that one actually, like, that was the one fun one that I've I've uh, ventured into and played. Um, and yeah, like, and it was like one of those OP, you know, like you can just do moves no matter what, and you're all going super saiyan and like throwing crazy fireballs at each other. But no, they they did yeah. a, they did good with that. Um, to be fair to them. Um, but moving on, Jamie, we were treated to uh, some more footage from uh, Alan Wake Two, which I think. We were all pretty excited about going into this. I think it was uh, Mortal Kombat 1 and Alan Wake 2, sort of some gameplay was, um, was yeah, was exciting all of us. Yeah, and uh, and this was a, a pretty short snippet, all things considered, but it was still as, as I wonder, how did Keeley refer to it? He was like, he was like raw, uncut gameplay or something like that. I was like, okay, Jeff, like, it's not porn. Like, <laughs> for Jeff, like, for Jeff, it is porn. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff's there for it. This is, this is the most hardcore, uncut, non-PC. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and but like Sam Lake, um, obviously uh, writer and creative director over at Remedy, came out in actually a, in perhaps an even sharper suit than Nick Cage, dare I say, um, and talked about the game a little bit. Um, the, the gameplay looks solid. I think visually it looks really strong. But m- more than anything, I'm just curious about the narrative uh, sort of direction they're going in where the story story seems to be split in two uh split between a, a new character an fbi agent called saga who is investigating a, a series of uh series of killings uh in sort of bite falls where the the first game took place and then they hey uh, stop me if you've heard this before but start finding like pages of like a an unfinished or unpublished novel and it seems to be that what they're reading is happening around them and of course at the same time alan wake is still kind of stuck in the dark place or the upside down or whatever the fuck they call it at the bottom of the lake, um, trying to write <laughs> his way out. And it sounds like once you've got these sort of like the opening of the game out of the way where you play a saga, you can switch between them sort of as and when you choose, which is a very big narrative risk to take given how sort of like carefully constructed, um, you know, the remedies game traditionally are. So I'm looking forward to seeing, how that plays out. It's also the first game they've uh, made since Control, which was a fucking stunner. And it's, you know, it's one of those games, Jonesy, that's just inspired by fucking everything you want it to be inspired by. Like, um, like, like uh, Alan Wake and to, to a certain, and certain elements of uh, Control 
were already uh, Lynchian as fuck. They were already like Twin Peaks through and through. And now they're referencing things like True Detective season one and seven as sort of like the, you know, the, the inclusion of this sort of slightly more detective procedural element. Um, if ever there were a, like a, a speaking my language in terms of like, like references and inspirations, it doesn't get much like True Detective season one and Twin Peaks. Like that's about as, as bad as, as close as you can get to a gold star. It's pretty good as well that they can, whilst they have a, you know, a successful video game and, and franchise that they're building to still be able to look at other things in popular culture and say to draw from these would be a positive for our franchise and not have to like get too um, sort of artistic about it and say, no, no, we're going to make our own thing. Like I love that they're drawing from other inspirations. That's, that's like, obviously they have in the past, but this is really good that they're keeping up with that. And yeah, I, the only thing I'm, I'm wondering as well is how you, how you sort of factor in the switching between Alan and Saga and whether or not, because if you could just do that whenever you want, do you reckon that will deplete from the, the horror side of it? Because if you can jump out of this, those, you know, oh, this is, I've had enough of this. I'm going to hop out and be Saga for a while or vice versa. It's a good question. It's a good question. Like, cause they definitely sort of played up the horror elements present in Saga story, perhaps more so than in Alan's. Uh, or, or do you end up in an awkward situation where people get so scared by Saga and her story, they jump over to Alan, complete all of Alan, and now they're like halfway through a game they can't bring themselves to <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting, because yeah, when you get to the point of like... I was The only game I've played sort of in recent memory that I can think is similar to this is, is GTA V, where you can sort of hop between characters, um, and you've got story to pursue. So I was wondering, uh, how do they effectively get to a point where you just can't do anything as a character? And you have to wait until the other character does a certain amount, which I guess is how they'll play it. But a very stunning visually, this game. I thought I was, you know, I really liked how that game looks. I really like how it looks chunky. It looks solid, like some of the um, mm. uh, what we saw with Saga and the lighting effects and everything looked really good. So um, definitely, definitely one I'll be looking out for. Yeah. Uh, another game I'm going to have to play just because it looked friggin' wicked is Warhammer 40k Space Marine 2, which. Yeah, that looks awesome. If you wanted to like play a game where you're going to get inundated with hordes of enemies, this looks like the game to play. Yeah, the, the number of enemies on screen uh, was kind of nuts. And three-player co-op confirmed. Well, I think that might have already been uh, talked about before, but yeah, co-op in that game sounds mental. Yeah, anyway. the, yeah it made remind me of the days of like you, me, and uh, Steph or Chris hopping into like um, some of those other three-player co-op horde games and like, how, fun, how much fun they can be. Um, yeah. when you're just there, like going, they're coming up the side, they're coming over the top. Oh my God, I'm going to die. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was, um, uh, uh, aliens fireteam elite. Was it called? was, was very much like that. Yeah. Yeah. And this just, just like that cranked up to 11. It just looks, uh, yeah. Over the top, which, uh, should be a lot of fun in that, especially oh, yeah. in that world. Um, another one that looks like a lot of fun, John Carpenter's toxic commando. Um, yeah. Bit of a weird one. Didn't expect. Didn't expect this, but looks interesting. John Carpenter's name attached, which can't be bad. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of it, right? Like, is that it has John Carpenter's name attached. They used a good John Bon Jovi song in the trailer. Um, and the, while I think a lot of people like look at this, a, a trailer like this, I should say, and use it as a, sort of like a, you know, a pretty a tailor-made example of how zombie fatigue is kind of setting in for some people. But I don't see a reason... Um, as, I, as I've met the point I've made many times before when it comes to uh, supposed or uh, supposed zombie fatigue, I don't see a reason why this can't 
makes up the formula in some ways. It seems like there was a greater volume of sort of uh, vehicle-based combat or at least vehicle-based traversal. Like at one point, I even wondered if it was like a road trip style zombie horde killing game, which would be an interesting twist. I haven't read anything about it since to confirm or deny those, um, you know, those initial thoughts. But, you know, look, even if it's just like a weird, like alternate take on something like Back for Blood, there's no reason, like you said, with Warhammer 40k, that a bunch of friends can't get together in a, you know, a co-op lobby and have fun making people's heads explode. But that's video games in a nutshell, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Um, And if you like video games and you've been looking forward to um, the release of Baldur's Gate 3, Jamie, apparently it's it's coming. It's coming at some point in the future. Yeah, apparently it's been coming for a while now. Uh, I I would love to know how many game shows Baldur's Gate 3 has been at. Like, since, you know. Good question. That would be an interesting one to know because I feel like every game show going back like a decent number of years, it's... uh, Baldur's Gate 3 is coming out, and you think, oh, okay. And then it was out, yeah. but it wasn't out. It's out in bits. But anyway, if you're it, it might be one that. of those things where, like, none of the observations we've made of that nature matter. And, like, August rolls around, that game comes out in proper, gets reviewed proper, and then because it's another fucking, you know, Larian banger, it gets 10 out of 10 from all the major outlets. Everyone goes and buys it, and it's, like, a fucking success story. Or, and, like, we have to, you know, eat our words to a certain extent but yes like i can't imagine there's a world in which they ever thought the sort of early access sort of like bit by bit release slate that they kind of uh experimented with would would result in something quite this drawn out but here we are it's nearly here yes um something that is not too far away either marvel's spider-man 2 which um yeah i cannot wait for this game it looks fucking wicked yep that's day one baby the uh, Venom mashup, the yeah. uh, Spidey's Venom powers um, look fantastic. We'd obviously already seen a bit of this game before, and it's it's oh, it's just going to bang so hard. I can't wait. And uh, Venom not being Eddie Brock confirmed, right, Jonesy? Which I I'm swing of water. Sorry. Yeah, no, I'm switch. I like I said during the stream, I'm so grateful for because I did. There was a weird moment when it seemed like they were maybe going the Spider Man three. He's a grumpy emo Spider-Man now that he's got the symbiote and then it was going to do the whole Eddie Brock thing. And I was like, are they real massive fans of that Spider-Man series? And that's the route they're going to go. But apparently not. It's not Eddie Brock. Someone did yeah. it together. Luckily, we didn't get a moment where Jeff Keighley goes, ladies and gentlemen, Topher Grace. And then, um, and he comes out in it. And it probably is equally swanky suit as everyone else. But yeah, didn't happen. A Game Awards moment. Not even Game Awards. A summer Game Fest moment that we didn't get to see. Rip. We didn't. Um, Pal World. Oh, God, this is what I can't remember. I did, couldn't even remember this when I typed this in here, and I still can't. And I was going to check it out again. What the hell was Pal World? Pal World was Pokemon with Light Machine. <laughs> that was it. I keep forgetting that game. How are they making this game and not getting sued? I don't, some of those designs, man. That's as borderline as it gets, right? I, I genuinely thought I could guess the Pokemon that they were trying to be. <laughs> like, it was that close. <laughs> But that was, was maybe weird. it was just like maybe they were AI generated designs. It was like an image to image AI generator where they put an image of P- Pikachu in on one side <laughs> and got you know an, a, an image out on the other, and they were like, "That's our that's our Pokemon, that's our pal, baby, that's our Rikachu." Yeah, exactly. Like, cause it's even got the, it's even got the Pokeballs where they like come in and come out of them. But then the one thing that I was kind of like, "Yeah, what is this?" When we were watching, I think you said, "Oh no, this is the Pokemon clone," 
And then someone pulls out an assault rifle and starts like blowing away a Charizard because it's about to faint. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting game. Absolutely bizarre. All with that kind of like weirdly polished, shiny, sort of Dokev-esque Japanese art style that looks a little bit too good for what it actually is. Yes. Yeah. Which, um, yeah. I, does this game ever come out? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes on this one. Like I think this might. Okay. Dokev never comes out. That's that we can like draw a line to that. Power World comes out. That's my current feeling. I'm that is the bad way around. I was hoping Dokev would come out and Power World wouldn't. But um, yeah, okay. I'll take if we it. ever see Dokev again, it looks like a drastically different and more like believable product. That's what I'd say. Not as many giant heads and weird anime. Pokey bodies and sight and yeah, craziness. We can keep a few, but like you said, not as many. Um, Lord of the Rings, they're trying again because they've had <laughs> they didn't do too well with uh Gollum. So we've got um Return to Moria or Gimli the Game, which we're calling it. Yes. Lord of the Rings Gimli. Um and like it's funny because obviously on the last podcast we were talking about how Daedalic the now notorious developers behind Lord of the Rings Gollum had, of course, got that grant from the German government to supposedly make another game set somewhere in Middle Earth. So when this trailer kicked up, you and I were both licking our lips at the prospect of like Daedalic already coming back um, with another Lord of the Rings game. But it's not them; it's someone else, and they're making something like they're making some weird, like Gimli mining action game, which is like more power to them. But at the same time, the, the thing I said to you at the stream is like, they must be fuming, right? Like the, the Lord of the Rings name in video games term, in video game terms, got tattered, ripped to shreds, just like two weeks before they announced a project they could have been working on for years for all we know. Yeah, it's, it's a very, very unfortunate time for them to sort of be putting out trailers for a game because it's it's like it's the worst to be fair it's the worst possible time i would i would have been tempted if i were them to pull the trailer from the show and just say just give us a month <laughs> just let us get away from Gollum, and then we'll yeah. put it out let's, yeah. let's, let's, cool, let's cool down it's like all the people that were making war games um at the time that russia invaded ukraine and they were like we're just gonna skip the showcase um we'll see you on the next one yeah totally totally makes sense um Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis uh, was a bit of a weird one. Yes. This was the... Um, um, so what, this, yeah, it's not a Final Fantasy remake game. It's like a bit of a mashup of Final Fantasy Worlds, isn't it? But in an anime yeah, like, style. Well, exactly. With, with different art styles at times, like sometimes it had that kind of like, that chibi kind of uh, art style that Final Fantasy's experimented with in the past. Sometimes it looked like sort of a a, a take on the sort of like the more modern... Final Fantasy 16 or 7 remake style art style. I, I'll be honest, I don't really know what's going on here. Like Final Fantasy is something that is barely for me at its best. Like I'm looking at Final Fantasy 16 from a safe distance at the moment. Um, so the idea of playing something like Ever Crisis doesn't really appeal. But this um, is mobile, isn't it? Mobile game as well. Yeah, this is this is an Android and iOS game, uh, supposedly. Um, and it's and it's got the Final Fantasy 7 name on it so like again but i i don't know this is where we need chris i don't know enough about where final fantasy 7 goes to say that everything we saw in that trailer was like a final fantasy 7 reference it just looks like a weird big mashup of final fantasy 7 adjacent things with different art styles 
in a game that's going to be littered with microtransactions. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame, really, because if it was more of a, if it was more of like a synthesized Final Fantasy mobile game that gave you an in to that world in a manageable way. I would be, I think it'd actually probably be appealing to me because like the games seem sort of a bit inaccessible at this point. But as you've said, it's probably going to be littered with microtransactions. It's probably going to be put together in a weird ass way that doesn't really make much sense. So if you're a fan, you'll get a lot out of it. But if you're not, you'll probably be like, what the hell is going on? Um, Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, well. Which is a shame. And I think a problem that Final Fantasy has sometimes in spite of how acclaimed a lot of the recent work that series has done has been which maybe is something they need to address but we'll see how well the next two games sell they'll probably ship millions and everyone will be fine uh like a dragon gaiden the man who erased his name you were excited about this weren't you well because i'm i've reached a point where even if i fall off all of them like you know like when i say all of them i mean like any Ryu Gagotoku Studio Game. So any, the artist formerly known as Yakuza, or I, I, what was the detective one that you um that you uh, uh, just was just dar- judgment or judge eyes? I think you're going to say just dance, and I was like, well, <laughs> not just different dance dance um, revolution. No, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, the two judgment games. Um, like basically what I'm saying is I've fallen off all of them, and so I've really got no reason to be invested in where this uh, sort of series goes but I am always interested. And this looks like a weird sort of interesting, I think it's a spin-off sort of side story. It's not the next mainline entry. We'll get to that later. Um, and they're kind of doing that weird thing where I think people are not the same characters as they you might think they are, even though they look identical and have the same voice actors. Um, I, I, I'm, but mostly I'm keeping an eye on this because the last one I played was uh, Like a Dragon, which is a confusing thing for me to call it because of, the fuckery they continue to pull with these names, which I'm not going to rant about. We don't have time for a rant today. Um, but that was obviously turn-based, and this one is, you know, like the more traditional, real-time, beat-em-up style. Um, I almost, again, I almost called it a Yakuza game. Um, and so I'm going to keep tabs on it for that reason. Um, if that game comes out at a time where I feel like there's a gap in my life for mashing square and punching Asian men in the face, um, then it could be, a, could, be, could be the one for me. But... I'm more interested in what we've got to come later, I think, from Like a Dragon. Uh, I would say one that I think might quite heavily be for me, I was quite taken away, uh, taken by, blimey, I was taken by, uh, was Quantic Dreams Under the Waves. Um, Yeah. Which was something I wasn't expecting, very interesting looking, uh, sort of, not I suppose not seafaring if you're underneath, but like ocean faring, game where you are a dude in a wetsuit and a submersible and you're going around exploring caves seeing like animals and uh, whales and sharks and all sorts of crazy stuff under the oceans um mm. yeah i was sort of surprised by this i think it was very pretty it had a really nice atmosphere about it it looked very nicely made um yeah um all in all i think i'm i'm think i was probably the most excited for this from the whole show as a like a standout wow. as a, as like one that i wasn't expecting Nice. That's yeah. No, it's a. Uh, I can totally see where you go for it. Like that was a, a strong trailer. It gave off a lot of different vibes. I'm, I'm even sort of the idea of lonely, isolated English man, you know, on his own underwater, kind of ruminating about life and having to deal with an AI that you know that's 
the gag at the beginning of the the trailer is he asked the AI to change from his name to his nickname. Like some of those little sort of mo- like ideas like that that they could be quite fun and deep to see exploration when it's not used for horror is really quite engaging. Um, thinking about games like Absu, where they you know focus on sort of like the more enchanting elements of the the deep sea. That's that's fun. Less so games like Subnautica, where it's like don't get too comfortable because a fucking 150 foot long eel is going to eat you. Um, is the, if there's less of that in Under the Waves, then I'm down. The one thing that I, I think it seems interesting about this as well is the way that it might bring in some of the elements of. Um, uh, oh fucking hell! What's it called? Hello, Hellblade. Hellblade, like the the uh, mind bending, oh. um, like the fact you're alone with your own thoughts and the fact that this guy paranoia. Is, exactly right, and yeah. some of the well, Hellblade one anyway. With it, I'm I'm not as much. I don't know about Hellblade two. How much they're going to do of that? But the way that you get like the whisper in your ear, that sort of mm. quite unsettling, and you know maybe the horror of the scariness or the isolation leads to some sort of those sort of strange situations where it's, you know, you're maybe, maybe as a player, you're freaking yourself out because you're like, maybe I shouldn't go in the dark, scary cave. But it looked fantastic. It looked really interesting. For sure. Uh, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2 um, and Warzone are getting season four. Um, but Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> we wanted to touch on this for another reason. Because, um, you know, so far, so Call of Duty um, with another season. Yeah. One thing you spotted in the trailer was uh, Tim the Tatman, um, his skin, which if you'd have watched that trailer and you were quite sort of into the idea of getting that for yourself, you wouldn't be able to get it anymore because it has subsequently been removed uh, from the store. Should we get into why in case people... Yeah, let's, let's touch on this. We won't, we won't go too deep into this, but um, so there's a story which has been developing over the last sort of week, uh, whereby Nick Merckx, um, prominent streamer, um, he had a uh, bundle available in the shop. Um, he tweeted out um, sort of his thoughts and feelings um, around uh, some protests between pro and anti-LGBT protesters in America, where um, I think it was a guy uh, who's a esports commentator sort of said, what a sad state of affairs it is for America to be, you know, fighting against each other like this. And he replied, tweeting out, they should leave little children alone. That's the real issue. Um, and was Activision decided off the back of that that they were going to remove his bundle from the store so it was no longer available. Following on from that, Dr. Disrespect himself, the big man, um, on stream decided that he was going to uninstall Warzone. Although, knowing him, it's not on stream. It would have been calculated very carefully, like hours beforehand, and then the blah 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 whole thing goes through, so he can like maximum disruption. Um, yeah, I, but I think at the same time he was slagging off Warzone in general whilst he was doing it. He was saying it was like the worst era for the game and stuff. So I'm guessing it was no big thing for him. Doesn't, sort doesn't of. sound like he feels like he's missing out on much. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, he's uninstalled the game and said that he won't be reinstalling it until uh, Nick Merckx's skin has been reinstated. And then Tim the Tatman, as we said, um, whose skin was in the trailer itself, then said that he didn't feel that he should have his skin in the game, which is it's so weird to say that because obviously, you know, like the saying, I've got skin in the game. He's no longer got skin. In, he's no longer got skin in the game because he tweeted at Activision. I've got his tweet here. And he said, um, 
that he and Nick Merckx have been friends for years. We went into getting our COD operators together. It feels wrong for me to have mine and him no longer to have his. In support of my friend, please remove the Tim the Tatman bundle, which they have subsequently removed. So that is not available either. Yes, these were, in fact, the first two um, creators, influencers, whatever you want to call them, that Activision partnered with to give operator bundles in Call of Duty Modern Warfare slash Warzone. And I wouldn't be surprised if the lesson learned from this is that they become the last two streamers to get operator bundles uh, in the store. Um, Yes. We yeah we were sort of, we were talking about this a little bit beforehand because it is a bit of a weird story. It's a bit of a surprising one, but it is one of those things that companies are always going to have problems with when they try and sort of get together with streamers and things. And you can't then, I suppose, anticipate anything they're going to say in future. And likewise, you shouldn't be able to say to them, "Oh, you can't say you have to uh, say everything we want you to say going forward." Like they're independent contractors, I suppose is how you have to look at them. They don't work for you. They're not part of your company. Yeah. Um, so it can get very complicated. I imagine. Um, and so I, I don't think I actually said, so the, the original disagreement between this whole thing happened because it is Pride Month at the moment and the, the, a school in California was um, voting on whether to put, whether to sort of say it was Pride Month at their school. And so that's sort of what I prompted the um, two different sides of uh, protesters to come together and have a ruck outside of school, which seems bizarre, but there you go. Yeah. And it'd be easy to brush this off and kind of say, like, it's a mountain out of a molehill situation. I, I think there's a bit of that, but I also, I, it's one of those things where I can run in either direction and see how both sides arrive at their conclusions, you know? Um, for what it's worth, I think I think a lot of things about Nick Merckx, having watched uh, a lot of his content over the last three years or so, I kind of discovered him during lockdown when he was popping off on Warzone. I think that he's a bit of a dipshit at times. Um, I think that he is a meathead, and I have uh, had, you know, uh, I have disagreed with him a number of different times on like his political uh, views in some cases or his uh, stance on uh, vaccinations, for example. And in in in, in, in some respects, as you know, a, a, a proud a proud resident of Florida, it doesn't surprise me that his take when he sees stuff like this is, I want to reserve the right to parent my kids. The, like I'm a father now. I want to like be a hands-on father. I want to teach um, my kids the way I learn things. I want to handle things. My, I don't want you know schools pushing agendas on my kids. And I can see why in his little bubble he probably thought it was like a like a, maybe if not a safe thing to say that. Then I think like we were discussing before the, we sort of went live. Then it, it wouldn't cause this much hubbub. The problem is it's so easy to look at that and say, well, actually, sort of wanting to sort of shelter or again, and I'm not saying this is what Nick most wants to do, but it could be perceived as wanting to shelter your kid from um, like education um, around that community or being made more aware of, or even in some ways starting to become from a very young age, more tolerant of a community that relatively faces discrimination to actively want to try and take them away from something that could result in positive outcomes like that is kind of, um, <sighs> Can, could like could be construed as something negative. Uh, some people have gone so far as to construe it as as anti LGBTQ plus. Some people are calling Nick Merckx a homophobe. For the record, I don't think Nick Merckx is homophobic based on the hundreds of hours I've watched him stream and create content. Um, in most cases, live um, over the years. Um, 
but then you also just get into weird dicey territory, don't you? Where like this is getting really close to that thing of like you know you, that kind of meme about how there are some prob- like there are some right leaning people out in certain parts of the world that almost like act as though being gay is something that can be like force fed or taught to children. And oh, right, like you can catch and, it. <laughs> yeah, or, and yeah. The, the, the LGBTQ community has some agenda to kind of like, you know, not, not just like spread awareness of their message or the discrimination they face as a community, but like try and convert kids or make them, or like your kids are more likely to be gay by being exposed to this shit. And like, is he, is he is sort of feeding into some of the hysteria that that community already has to push back against? by saying, actually, I'm a white straight man who supports Trump and doesn't believe in vaccinations, and I should be the one to teach my kids how to be accepting of the LGBTQ community. And most people sit back and go, yeah, sure, you're going to teach them that. They're going to grow up thinking exactly the same way you do, which is exactly the same way your dad did, which is exactly the same way his dad did, which is why, you know, we. some people would argue, is why we've got some of the problems we have. Was it, I find this a bit weird though, because it, in some sense, if you are Activision and you and he tweets this out and you remove his bundle, isn't mm. that therefore effectively Activision saying anybody else that they put in their games, actors like you know voice actors, people with skins, whatever, endor- like endorsing all of their political positions? Because if you're saying we remove things of people who we don't agree with then you're kind of saying anyone in our games we do agree with, in which case you get into very dicey territory as a, as a game developer or as someone who's including things in games because you're, going to be, you're constantly going to be chasing, you know, what have they said here? What have they tweeted there? In some sense, I'm almost to the point where I'm like, I think maybe you just have to put, like, just put that stuff up and then leave it and let and go, we do not. What's the, what's the thing people always used to say? Um, this is not the manager or this shouldn't be construed as the management endorsing like blah 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 opinions it's it's like a separation of our beliefs and their beliefs kind of thing sure but i think that activision would argue that like that that they they wouldn't construe that or like assess like what nick merck's shared as political views like if nick merck's said um i really want trump to to run and win the next uh election um they like call of duty wouldn't do shit but as soon as you get into the territory where what like the the message you're sharing is perceived as homophobic or anti-LGBTQ+. Right. That's where they step in to say, it's kind of like where people are very uh, happy nowadays to say, hey, fuck Nazis. Fuck you if you're a Nazi. <laughs> Nazis don't have... Like, there's absolutely nothing controversial about me saying fuck Nazis. I also think could, when people say that, I'm like, I, where are the... Like, I don't see that many I mean, Nazis I, kicking it around. I don't, I, I don't I, go I, online I, enough. I, I, maybe I yeah, I'm in the same boat. Like, I don't run into many. Um, but I'm... I, they're out. I'm sure they're out there. There must be. Shape. There must be some. There must be um, hiding but, online. But yeah, in different places. they would. They wouldn't say that as like, oh, this is this is us forcing all the you know content creators we collaborate with to have the same political views as us. This is us saying we're not going to platform homophobes, which is because that's how they've interpreted the message. I, I no, I agree with you, but I still think that gets to. A, I still think you get to an interesting point where you're you're effectively still trying to police because a lot of, there's a lot of people saying a lot of stuff online a lot of the time. And I do think you get to an interesting point where effectively policing homophobia is just, is justified. No, uh, no, agreed. But if you're, if you're then, especially with the gaming community, if you're trying to police like what all these streamers are saying all of the time, I think you're going to effectively lose 
a lot of like we don't really need to go through some of the biggest streamers out there and talk about the things they've said in the past that would mean that they would no. probably should get deplatformed from uh, oh. any of these so sorts of things. I think I even need to go through what Activision have done <laughs> exactly, yeah. like, to suggest why console platforms might not want to, you know, host. Yeah, Do you see, what yeah. I mean, I'm I'm effectively yeah. saying that the list of people they're going to be able to draw from is going to be pretty slim, like yes. especially in that community. Like, I'm not I'm not suggesting yeah. that therefore they shouldn't do it at all. I'm just saying I think it gets into an interesting yeah. territory when they're sort of saying. They're gonna have, you're gonna have the same five people that can be endorsed by every well, gaming company because they they all say some horrendous shit. Let's put it like that. It's almost as though the only two safe bets left on the planet <laughs> are Jamie and Jonesy from the Super Show podcast. You're listening to it live uh, right now. Stay tuned I don't know. For our operator packs coming to the store in Warzone soon because we are not friends with Nick Merckx. You remember that I've I've listened to a lot of things you've said in the past and vice versa. I think we'll get we'll get sorted out pretty quick as well. I, I think that I have shown a lot of bravery in the way that I've handled the move from edited content to live stream content. Um, and I, I, you know, and I don't have that safety net anymore. You're right. But I look, I, you know, I'm, I'm careful. I, you I, are very I, good. I've, I've stopped myself before. I've said, I'm not going to complete that joke or I'm not going to say that many times on this podcast. That's yes, it is. It is. Absolutely. Um, Let's move on. Let's get back to the Summer Game Fest. Let's talk a, a couple more things that came out before we move on. Um, we did get to see a Twisted Metal TV series, which was a little bit odd, a uh, trailer, which was a little bit odd because it was um, uh, it was featuring uh, Will Arnett as the voice of um, uh, Clown Guy. I don't know his name from Twisted Metal. Oh, shit. What remember. the fuck is his name? Sweet Tooth. Sweet Tooth, thank you. Um, but he wasn't actually playing Sweet Tooth. He was just the voice of it. And we were sort of talked while we were watching it about how dis- it was a little bit disjointed um, because he was the voice, but he wasn't doing the acting. Um, and, oh, who was the actor who was actually in the scene? Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie was in it as well. Um, it was a bit of a weird scene that they chose. It wasn't like a trailer. It was like one scene from these two. Yeah. A bit of a ruck in a, uh, a gambling like arena. Um I would say you could go some, and watch some it. Some people call them casinos. Casinos. Was it a casino? I thought it was more like it had the fruit machines. It wasn't You're like right, a casino. You know, I know. I just, for some reason, I was thinking, oh yeah, I, I guess it's a casino at the same time Maybe as you said gambling, gambling arena. arena. I was like, I love that. I couldn't think of the name. It's because I was thinking going, fight. Welcome to Vegas, arena, home like. of the gambling arena. <laughs> I'm going to stick with gambling arena. Um, that was actually the working t- uh, title for Martin Scorsese's seminal hit starring Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci. Welcome to Gambling Arena. Um, yeah, but we co- we had to delete it from our live stream because they claimed it in all of America- the American territories uh, and our entire stream wasn't working in those territories. We had to snip that bit out so that people could still watch yeah. it. So, unfortunately. Well, here's the spoiler alert. You missed absolutely fucking nothing. Yeah, you did miss um, much. Um, I, uh, this was weird at the time. It was absolutely honking on rewatch. Um, absolutely nothing redeemable about it, from like set design to costume design to like the production quality across across the board. Like the 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 writing, like Anthony Mackie and Will Arnett can could put a scene together, even if like it's Will Arnett's you know disembodied voice. Um, and there's absolutely nothing likable about this. And perhaps the weirdest part of all is that we have now like seen a fair chunk and even some there were some subsequent um i almost called them screenshots i guess photos from this twisted metal tv show and like no one's driven no one's driven a car yet jonesy <laughs> twisted metal but, and there's no cars there's just gaming there's, no ar- there's just gambling arenas 
just gambling arenas and jokes about the thong song. That, that Yeah, that was not funny. Like, what was going on with that as well? That was really bizarre. Like, like I sometimes wonder how we are not employed as writers at, like, a macro level when you can be employed to write the Twisted Metal TV show and said, yeah, I was thinking in this gap here we could do a whole bit where Sweet Tooth sings the thong song in a weird voice and kind of, like, gyrates while he's doing it. And then Anthony Mackie has to join in to befriend him. Like, what are we doing wrong? It's just like every time we get a trailer where it's like some person's got an English accent. It's like, I could have done that. <laughs> yeah. One day, mate, one day we'll get employed to do uh, video game voiceovers. Well, if, if I'm not an... Uh, Fable, the ship's probably gone. Fine. But if I'm not an NPC in The Witcher 4 or whatever the fuck they call it, <laughs> if I, even if just like one of those people who says, what is he doing? As Geralt goes past, like, I'm... I'm I'm giving up all hope. That is fair. Um, Fortnite, Chapter 4, Season 3, Wilds uh, is coming to Fortnite, where the ground has opened up and split apart, uh, and there are some interesting goings on, like a miniature Optimus Prime that you can now get and play as in Fortnite. Yeah. The scale looked a bit weird, but I I mean, at some point you're just going to run out of recognisable sort of pop culture icons to put into your video game. And so if you haven't done the Transformers yet, you know, there's no time like the present. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and to finish off, Jamie, Summer Game Fest, there was one epically, massively over-the-top, exciting <laughs> uh, reveal that Jeff was so keen to show us all and was so happy to be able to bring to us. And it was, of course, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Yes. Um, let, yeah, you, you've you've got the you, you've got the main sort of talking point for me almost out of the way immediately, which is let's be real. Jeff did hype this up too much. This is cool, but this is something we know about. This is something that had already been revealed, that had already had a trailer. This is the I, I would like I would call it the middle chapter of a trilogy. If I if it's still even planned to be a trilogy, I haven't really been keeping up on that. But it's it's a it's a it's a sequel to a game that didn't didn't feel like it came out that long ago that looks quite a lot like that game, um, that is already a remake based on a very familiar game. Uh, like, as cool as this looked and as exciting as it's going to be, and as, as excited I am by the prospect of them moving further through their sort of retelling and reimagining of Final Fantasy VII, I think Jeff just sort of slightly overdid it in a way that kind of was a bit of a bummer when you're watching it live. But it is what it is. They needed to show this game again soon. Um, I'm glad it's happening. The scale sounds and looks bonkers. Someone's already noticed that there's a screenshot where you can kind of look at the compass at the top and something seems to be 11,000 meters away <laughs> from where the player currently is. Um, which oh, is just, right. That's only 11 kilometers. Well, on Chocobo, that might go quickly. If you decide that Cloud needs to walk it for whatever reason, I don't know. Like they're, they're, Two they're hours? Kind of three hours? That's a long to time walk to walk it. in a video game. That's quite a long time. Um, all I'll say is that I, I, I haven't played the original Final Fantasy VII, but from what I understand, they are now entering a sort of like a, entering into the post Midgar chapter of the game, which means lots of broad open spaces and lots of exploration. And I'm, I hope that they do some of those, um, do some of those ideas and some like do that justice because it's not to say that the first game was claustrophobic, but it was fairly linear at times in a way that I'm looking to see them experiment with. 
Yeah, it, it did. Hey, it looked really good um, as we thought it would. Um, we were both, I think we were both hoping for maybe something else as a thing to finish the show off, something a little bit more exciting. As we said at the time, this was a, something you know is coming. And so it's always a little bit less exciting when you get to see something you know is coming. And it would be nice to see something big, not, not big, but bigger or more extravagant to finish out a whole show. But no, it was cool. And it was a good get for Jeff Keighley, um, I guess. So. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. That's the he like the thing we always have to remind ourselves with Jeff is that he has a very unenviable task at times like these. Sony did their own show, Microsoft did their own show, Capcom, um, Ubisoft, you know, Devolver, like there were lots of publishers, big and small, doing their own shows. And Jeff has to not pick up the scraps, that's maybe a bit harsh, but he has to make some phone calls and he has to try and get things that are in some cases probably quite tough to get, and he might have to fight other people off. And he also has to do it again in August and he has to do it again in December. So Jeff always has an uphill task when it comes to putting together a show like this. Um, but I'm glad he does it. And um, uh, I think more credit to him. No, absolutely. And it's really good when people support, um, you know, Jeff and his shows, because he is, like you said, he is not a big, one of the big players. He's, he's doing something as a, as an extra thing, as a third party. Um, but he's part of gaming anyway. And you know another show, Jamie, that is part of gaming that doesn't have to do it, but they come back every week, near enough, oh. um, to uh, bring you gaming entertainment. I am, of course, talking is it about... Nick no, it's the Super oh, Show. Shit. And specifically, it's oh, a Super Show podcast. So um, I want to take a brief uh, aside from um, the, the shows before we move on to Xbox uh, to give a shout out to people that actually support that show and they keep it coming back week after week. I am, of course, talking about our Patreons. Um, they go over to patreon.com forward slash super show and support us and keep us coming back uh, week week upon week. And we are so grateful to them because they keep the lights on. They keep uh, Jamie and I being able to do this. Um, there are some on screen right now. And I would also like to give a shout out uh, to some. I'm talking Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Brimstone, Cole K, Ice Not Rock Salt, Jesper Camdown Nielsen, Leo Merger, Mindful Pig, Mr. Anthropic, Pastors Guild, and the big dogs, the me- members of the board, if I can say that, uh, Brett Z, aka Shellshock, Geometric Potter, Hacksaw Book Read, Manuel Guerrero, and Keyswad. Thank you so much for uh, your support, your continued support. Thank you for joining us for these live shows. It is wicked to see everyone in chat, like chatting away, um, and to be able to bring these to you. Not just the podcast now. It's like I said, we did two live shows in the past week as well, which has been fantastic. Uh, it's a lot of fun for us to do, and it's cool to sort of like hook up with everyone and re- respond to chat um, live yeah. as we're doing it. Um, one oh, of, but Jamie, one more thing I'd like to know before we get to the Xbox Game Showcase 23 is yeah. what, what have you been playing? Do you know what, Jonesy? I've been honest, not a lot. And I'm kind of sitting here racking my brain for the last seven days. I think it's because... I've seen so many games and watched so many gaming or gaming adjacent events that I haven't really been crawling away from my computer afterwards, desperate to sit in front of like my PS5 or or something for a couple of hours. Um, so I've just been continuing to plug away at Diablo 4. I've got a, a, I was about to say I've got a level 50 character now. I've got like a level 49 character now. Hello. I'm in the final. I know, I'm putting in a shift and I'm on the final act of the campaign. But Diablo 4 is still really strong, really solid. There's an absolute shitload of content in that, which is why it's all I've really needed in and amongst this gaming goodness this week. Um, although, 
I, I will I will hopefully amend that by next week's podcast because there are a couple of demos obviously that have seen the light of day um in and amongst all the action. One of which was the um I think at the time of recording was released this morning, the Final Fantasy 16 demo, uh, which is apparently like two hours long and your save transfers over to the base game. So I might just dip into that and see what happens. But then of course, as we mentioned earlier, there was the Lies of P demo, which I didn't play, but I hear you might have. Yes, I um I thought I would hop in and have a little game of that, e- even though it is not typically um, you know, the sort of game that I would pick up. It is much more sort of like from stock from soft. Um I've which I have delved into a couple of times, but um yeah, I thought I would thought I would give this a go because I quite like the aesthetic. I like the idea that it's a bit of a weird like Pinocchio um sort of strange retelling. And yeah, yeah the demo's been been fun. It's it's um dark it's it's atmospheric it's got some geppetto not geppetto what's the little cricket thing called jiminy uh, jiminy cricket is like a weird little like ai cyborgy thing like just like strange voice talking to you um there's a an interesting mechanic whereby your sword becomes dull as you use it and you need to use a uh, grinding gear on your own arm to like resharpen your sword which is a nice <laughs> little touch um it is very forgiving um, at sort of the early stages of the demo where I am. Um, sort of the enemies that you encounter are offer no sort of like difficulty whatsoever, really. You know, you can just like go through them. But then you do encounter sort of a few bosses um, or sort of slightly more powerful enemies, which then it starts to feel more from soft. And you've got sort of like judge your roles, judge your dodges, uh, try and sort of um, stagger them and take them out. But I the the fact that I have stuck with it is probably te- uh, sort of testament to the fact that it feels a little easier. The uh, maybe it's because of the demo. Maybe they've put it on like a particular sort of mode, or they've weighted everything so it doesn't feel too um, difficult to sort of like get stuck into. Um, but I encountered my first sort of like big boss and got uh, summarily. I don't know what you do to a puppet dismantled um, and got sent all the way back. Uh, to a, a point where I found a stargazer, which is uh, sort of like a bonfire, mm. if you like, in um, uh, what is that game that I've been playing? <laughs> Elden Ring. That's the one. It's not even bonfires. What do they have in that? It's like. Oh, I forget the, what they call them in Elden Ring. Bonfires were like the tr- old school, like Dark Souls thing. Yeah. What do they have in Elden Ring? It's like a, a spectral. No, I don't really remember. Sight of Grace. The sight of grace, thank you. Yeah, so they have... You, t- you, t- you touch the sight of grace. Yeah, and so as you imagine, Liza P is very much the same. You touch a stargazer and you can use your... Um, use the... Oh, I can't remember what they call it. Use your gemstones, whatever the hell they call it in this game, to um, put it to up your stats, make yourself better. And then I've lost all my stuff because this boss killed me, so I have to go and get them back and then I can come and blah, blah, blah. Ever so... That sounds like one of those games. Soft. It sounds like one of those games. But the aesthetic is nice. The puppet angle is interesting the automaton like attacking you is cool yeah. the world is well designed um yeah i think I'll, game pass, right uh i have no idea it very well i, think, I, game I pass. think it's a day one game pass joint which means a you can play it on pc and b because you're playing on pc you can use cheats and trainers if you're finding it too hard <laughs> uh yeah i don't if because if on game pass i will play it I apologise for the technical hiccup. Then I just, I just asked up our uh, stream a little bit, but it's come back. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I will. I'll play it on Game Pass. I don't think I will. I don't think I would pick it up necessarily from 
the 45 minutes maybe I played the demo for. Um, yeah. Just because I'm like, oh, it's one of those games. I know how bad I am at them. I don't think I'll be, I'll stick with it long enough to make it. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's sort of like, but but hey, I I can see why some people really like it. A few people have mentioned that it's quite Bloodborne esque, which was a game that I really wanted to get into because of how cool I thought that looked. But again, like just found it rough. But this, but like I said, this was more. I find this much more forgiving than I found Bloodborne at the beginning. So maybe there's okay. something to be said for it. Um, but hey, I don't know. But then I played something very different to that as well. I uh, yeah. Down- I got a trial, um, as you can get on PlayStation now, um, an hour's trial for uh, DXIT Eternal Matters, um, which is a... I have to remind myself what this even is, I'll be honest, Jonesy. So, okay, I hadn't even seen anything for this until I was sort of just like going through the store and just seeing what was available on trial. And it looked a bit weird. It looked a bit Minecraft Dungeons. And I thought, let me just hop in and have a little look. And it's actually quite a cute little um, atmospheric, like... I guess it's like platformy puzzle solver where you've got like a torch and you're sort of revealing enemies to try and sneak through environments without getting taken out. It's got a very sort of like cutesy, almost like I said, Minecraft Dungeonsy feel to it. Um, hmm. But hey, I played it. I, I played it for an hour. I burnt through that that time pretty quickly. Um, just as I got to a like a hub world area where I was going to have to go and make my own artifact so that I could light the way to reveal to solve puzzles and. Um, keep away from i think they called them the hidden these sort of like monster things that you can't see that are invisible um no did did you feel implored to put up the money to continue your journey for 10 pounds i am actually very tempted um it was a a nice little sort of it's the sort of game that i think you can hop into and spend a bit of time with sort of solving those puzzles and getting through some of those stealth sections and just enjoy it for what it is and not worry about you know, not worry too much about it. Maybe when you've got a spare 20 minutes, half an hour, it seemed quite cool. Um, so yeah, I was into it. And like I said, I think on, I think it was on sale. So it's at the moment, I think it's about 10 pounds to, to pick up. So decent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not one that I'd heard of, but um, looks like it's you know been fairly well received. Like feedback on steam seems, seems pretty po- like fairly positive. I did have a bug in the Mostly demo. Positive. Mostly positive. I did have a bug in the demo, which kind of made me go, well, I don't know if that'll be good if I carry on playing, if it gets that sort of bug. It froze and I had to restart the whole game. But, you know. That's always a bummer. And then you've got that horrible heart and mouth moment. How much progress have I lost? Because that will be the determining factor of whether or not I continue playing this video game. Oh, so it, at least it's one of those where you don't lose anything. You, you almost you come go. back exactly where you were. So it doesn't, yeah, that sort of stuff doesn't matter. Diablo's like that, where like the servers will fuck up, and you're like, Jesus Christ! Um, uh, but then you you jump back in, and you're like, This is literally to like feels like the position I was in to the millimeter. <laughs> well, that's good at least. That's nice. Um, well, okay, let's move on because um, we are rattling through the time, and we are rattling through uh, this podcast. Let's touch on the Xbox Game Showcase 2023, which Jamie. We streamed this only yesterday, so it wasn't that long ago at all. <laughs> it feels like a week ago, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, so uh, first up for Xbox was uh, Fable, which I must admit, I, sh- I should have rewatched the trailer. I said I was going to, and then I didn't. We had a bit of a cock up when it came to the streaming of this, and I was running a bit late, and so I didn't really take in the trailer for this. Um, Fable, what did you think? Yeah, like, so I've rewatched the trailer, I think, two or three times now, just because 
I don't know. I, I'm I'm fascinated by the prospect of this fable game. Like I think the idea of just about any studio, let alone let alone play, playground, sort of taking the the fable reins, so to speak, and putting a new spin on what is, you know, like could be perceived as a fairly open ended franchise, bar a few pretty familiar hallmarks. I think that's like just a really curious prospect, and I think that what playground are hinting at at the moment is the way I'd phrase it because it I don't I personally don't think we're that far along in development um seems promising like I think let's straight to the point is the first thing you hear and then the first thing you see I think the casting of Richard Ayoade as in like this comedic role as was he like Dave the vegetable enthusiast <laughs> like that's sort of immediately pitch perfect as far as fables uniquely off the wall British style of comedy um goes um and then it seems like there may be, as the name would suggest, like leaning more into the sort of like the myths and fables and sort of fairy tale element with some. Sort of, I couldn't tell if Richard Ayoade was a giant or the or the uh, female protagonist was shrunk or vice versa. Um, but like, yeah, playing with some like it seemed funny. There was a wanker in there, which some playground employees believe they're now uh, credited as the first team to get the word wanker into a Xbox showcase. <laughs> I think. It's a what it is is it's a really interesting sort of like initial introduction into some of the ways that Playground are feeling their way into the Fable franchise, which is something that, as I said, has been dormant for so long. It could go in so many different directions, but it looks like they're they're walking a really solid middle ground between the hallmarks of classic Fable titles and their own spin and their own look and their own feel. Um, uh, all I want to see now is some slightly more extended and slightly more elaborate looks at gameplay, because while they have been, and Phil Spencer in his interviews after the fact has also been keen to point out that, you know, that was all like in-engine stuff that is technically gameplay. It's still hard to get a grasp of what this game is going to be look like, what this game's going to look like when you're playing it. So that's the next step, but encouraging to see it here and uh, mostly positive first reaction. No, absolutely. Um, I, yeah, and I agree on uh, Richard Idawadi. As soon as you put him in anything, I'm like, yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. He's Fantastic. a winner. Uh, South of Midnight um, was one that um, sort of spoke to you because you said you uh, really enjoyed Heart Spirit. No, that was your, 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 uh, that was 33 Immortals is the Spirit. Oh, Fire. Spirit. Fire. South, okay. South, South of Midnight, I was just curious because this is the new title from Compulsion Games, uh, who developed We Happy Few, which is regrettably a that was game, it. yeah. I think a lot of people look back... Did you ever play We Happy Few? No, I didn't, no. I think it's a shame that a lot of people look back on it as a game with... And I've just realised as a, out loud, as I'm saying this, that like this could very easily apply to South, something like South of Midnight. But We Happy Few was a great introductory trailer that then lost a lot of people with the game itself. Um, but I think... I, I just wanted to shout out that it was cool to see Compulsion back out here. Um, and it, like I think like kickstarting the showcase with two uh, decent looks at first party titles was kind of like a nice reminder of the fact that as we discussed during our live stream, Xbox are in a different place to PlayStation right now. And with PlayStation, maybe, maybe we were a little bit unfair going into that showcase, hoping to see what sucker punch are up to or what blue, what blue point are up to, or even naughty dog, because those guys released games three or four years ago. Xbox are in a difficult and very different situation where they announced games three to four years ago and we just needed to fucking see them. Um, and so to have the showcase start, even though South of Midnight was obviously a reveal, it kind of, for me, it was like watching that live, it boded well for what was to come. And I think 
that optimism was mostly justified. No, absolutely. Um, next up was Star Wars Outlaws, but I think we should probably wait until we talk about mm-hmm. Ubisoft to um, touch on that. Um, yeah. Persona 3 Reload. There was a lot of Persona. There's a lot show. of Persona. I, I, I think we just, we, we just need to cover our bases, don't we, and say that people like Persona, Persona was here. I hope Persona people are happy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that'll do. Um, yeah. Yeah, if we're skating over anything, if we miss out anything, it's mainly it's just for time purposes. So yeah, we're not uh, we're not missing things out on purpose. Um, actually, I, I, I'll mention briefly Thirty Three Immortals because I, I mentioned it before. Uh, it was that was the one that you were saying reminded you a bit of, or you enjoyed um, Spiritfarer. Yeah, it's from the developers of Spiritfarer. That was one of my favorite games of twenty twenty. I think it was um, really cool to see um, an indie studio back giving you know prominent placement in the showcase. Really cool to see, you know, another repeat collaboration as far as Game Pass is concerned. Also, just fascinating to see a title card that says 33-player online co-op, because that's not a number you see every day. No, no, and it actually did look quite impressive when they had all the players on um, sort of like on screen at the same time and you sort of see the gameplay in that game. It did look quite interesting. Sort of the top-down, like, uh, very pretty aesthetic. But you can just imagine how insane that game's going to get when everyone is fighting at the same time and trying to just destroy enemies in this just like uh, yeah it, i imagine it's yeah. going to be absolutely hectic but like um, a wow raid where like you presume <laughs> yes. everyone's doing something important but you can't tell what any one individual is doing yeah I, more likely if i was playing it i would forget who i was and i'd be looking like the wrong character gonna <laughs> lose myself I'm like, where am i i can't even see myself what? but there we go I thought it was the green one <laughs> um avowed uh some people were very excited they got to see a little bit more avowed not quite i suppose exactly what we uh, you thought Avowed was going to look like based on what we'd seen before, but it did look did look cool. It did look cool. Yeah, and you, yeah, you're right. You've touched on what I think is the the largest sort of like point of concern for some people um, who have, you know, not perhaps not taken kindly to some of the aesthetic changes that Avowed has gone through. I definitely think that if you do a side by side of what Avowed looked like yesterday compared to the CG trailer when it was announced three years ago, it looks different. Most games would look different if you compared them. You know, if you compared gameplay to a three-year-old CG trailer, but I think some people are suggesting that maybe the the actual art style or art direction has shifted in the way that they're not too happy with. Um, but I thought it looked cool. I, I guess the only thing I'd say about Avowed was that the sentiment or the narrative that people wanted to share when an, when Avowed was first announced was that the Outer Worlds was Obsidian, largely operating on their own, right, largely developed independently. Microsoft came in and purchased Obsidian, but that game was a year from being done when they bought them, and so uh, the lo- most of the legwork had already been done. And so, in essence, the Outer Worlds was Obsidian operating independently. And so, when Avowed got announced, people kind of, I think, jumped the gun a little bit when it was like, "Well, now Avowed is going to be Obsidian writ large. It's going to be Obsidian with Microsoft writing the checks." And I think what I realized yesterday, seeing Avowed, was that actually. This isn't going to be the outer worlds on on steroids or on crack or on any, any drug of your choice, really. Um, it's not going to be Obsidian Skyrim, as some people wanted it to be. Right. It's going to be a game that is comparable in size and scope, but hopefully also depth to the outer worlds that happens to lean on some of the fantasy trappings that people associate with Skyrim. But put it this way, Jonesy, there were two... First-person open-world RPGs on display at the Xbox Showcase. 
One of them got a two-minute trailer in the middle of the show. The other got a 40-minute showcase at the end of it. If that doesn't tell you where Xbox's priorities lie, uh, little else will. Wow, that's almost like a damning way to sort of summarise that, but but not at all. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, Microsoft Flight Simulator 2024, uh, which will be coming to Game Pass next year, obviously. Um, yeah, look to look very good. It's got a new career mode. Um, and we also all over it. It did. I'm I'm super excited for this. I also was. Uh, I think I was actually taught, mentioning about the some of the uh, f- um, DLCs that they they had for that game, like the jump ship from Halo and the Top Gun stuff that we got to play in, my, in the last Microsoft Flight Simulator. And then at the end, we got to see the um, uh, I don't even know what they're called, but the bug sort of like mosquito ships from Dune that you're going to be able to pilot as well in Microsoft Flight Simulator 24. Um, and with that uh, quite interesting looking career path where you can be like a someone who constructs um like what do they call them pylons like electricity pylons and things or someone who's an air ambulance operator there seem to yeah. have a few interesting different routes you can go down and, and play flight play flight simulator maybe i'll have to do a live stream on my own channel and get my get my old hey, dad to come I, was, I was gonna say get your dad back on <laughs> and he can uh critique my landing again as i crash into a some trees or something. That was one of my favourite live stream moments ever. Is you sat next to an actual legit pilot doing an actual legit flight in real time. What was it from like London to Edinburgh or something I like that? I believe so, yeah. And then all it came down to was the, the, the landing, which you took the reins to do manually. And it was comedy gold. That's all I'll say. Yeah, because given especially given that he's my dad said, you don't need to do anything, just let it land. And I was like, no, no, I want to do this bit. And then I completely fucked up. <laughs> I need to prove I can do it manually. No, I couldn't. <laughs> it was short. You're like, you're like artists on Twitter, Jonesy. You're never going to let AI win. I'm going to do it myself. <laughs> and then it looks like a line drawing of a potato. You like, should <laughs> exactly. just let the AI do it. Um, yeah. uh, we've mentioned it earlier in the show, uh, Hellblade, but uh, Hellblade 2, Senua's Saga, um, we've got a, another, um, I th- what we're saying, this is an in-engine trailer, but it was like cutscenes. It wasn't like actual gameplay. It was a cutscene, yeah, exactly. Which was quite different to what we saw last time. I think last time we saw Senua's Saga, we were trying to work out, you know, to what level was it gameplay versus sort of like um, a cutscene and the way that they were showing sort of like a giant person crawling out of a cave and she was turning back and throwing things and we were sort of pretty wowed by what they were doing with that game. This was almost sort of a more um, immersive trailer um, that was, I suppose, trying to get across some more of the uh, sort of mind-bending aspects that they play with in um, yeah. in Hellblade, wasn't it? It was. And it worked in some respects, like in terms of like, you know, the performance capture tech and the actual performance itself from the lead actress whose name escapes me, I apologize. Um and like you're right, some of like the trippy mind bending stuff seemed well represented. But overall I think this was a bit of a a bit of a dud of a chance to show a game that we it feels like we should have seen more of by now. I understand them not wanting to do another action set piece because that's what they felt like they showed last time. But at the same time, this was just a kind of a woman walking through a cave for a few minutes. I'm going to be honest. I wanted to see gameplay. Like I was expecting to see some actual gameplay by this stage, especially given that last time it seemed to be hinting at gameplay, but in a very sort of visually arresting way. I thought that they were going to give us some actual gameplay. And to go in this angle was cool. And we were sort of said, watching that with headphones on, you were getting some of that sort of like trippy, you know, um, panning from side to side and whispering in the backs of your ears and things. But I would have loved to have seen what that game plays like. And we didn't, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, weird. But there you go. Uh, like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. 
This was your second hit in a week of Yakuza goodness. <laughs> uh, in certain terms, what goodness? Yaku- not Yakuza. Not Yakuza exactly. goodness. Because what is it now? Like a dragon. Exactly. And it's made by who? Infinite Wealth. Infinity no, Wealth. It, it's made by, made by Ryu Gagatoku, which is Japanese for... Y- Yakuza. Nope, like a dragon. Like a dragon. Um, see, see, it all makes see, it all makes perfect sense. But um, I've got no fucking yeah. Idea. Like this was one of those things where I think because we saw the the you know the Gaiden game uh, earlier in the week, I was like, oh, we probably got our fill from these guys. Um, but no, um, we got to we got to see what looks to be the next. Well, I think it's been confirmed to be the next mainline like a dragon game, Infinite Wealth, which I think is going to be a sequel to. Bear with me here. It's gonna like a dragon. Infinite wealth is gonna be a sequel to Yakuza, like a dragon, as it was known here in the West. Um, but it's great because I mean, like that—that that was that's a fa- like a fantastic cast of characters to continue to make use of. The comedy in this trailer is um, uh, was Austin Powers esque, which is already sort of like pitch perfect for someone like me who has never grown up. Um, also very curious to see how they've managed to switch setting to something that looks like or read like somewhere in America. Um, I, I don't know how that happened, but I'm looking forward to finding out. Um, and also crazy that like the studio's sort of work ethic in that Like a Dragon Ishin came out earlier this year. Uh, Gaiden, like uh, the man, is it the man who has no name or the man who forgot his name? Or was, the man who uh, erased his name. The man who erased his name. That's coming out, I think, this, like in the next few months, like this fall. And then this is coming out in early 2024, so we might get three not not three not not quite Yakuza games in the space of 12 months, depending on release date specifics, which is crazy but also cool. Yes, no, it is. Um, as you say, it is crazy, but it is also very cool. Uh, yeah, just a cool series. Like I, I have no idea what the naming set strategy is with these games. I've got no. I'm so lost. Anytime I think, oh, I could pick up. What's the what's the latest one? And then I just have to like do a deep dive and try and figure out in what order they come out because their naming strategy is so confusing with what they've done with the Yakuza games. But there you go. It's just, the, it was the change that fucked them up. Like the, I understand wanting it to be the same in the East and the West, but the fact that they've now given it a new mainline title that is the same as a previous game subtitle that also coincided with them dropping the numbering just fucked everything up. Um, Jusant or Jusant. I'm going to go with Jussant. I'm going to assume it's French. Jussant. Um, this was the cool last climbing game that we uh, were sort of saying it does. It looked had a very interesting aesthetic. It looked like um, it could be something interesting, a little bit special maybe. Yeah. Like people like to deride climbing when it comes to games like Uncharted or Horizon. But when climbing becomes the game, you know, as we've seen in whether it's sort of like slightly more like fun or accessible titles like grow home or as you mentioned during the live stream even some of benefoddy's work like getting over it um then all of a sudden you're dealing with something quite different right where it becomes the challenge and the way i think it, they showed in this trailer it seemed to be anyway that you were going to be sort of summiting i don't know if that's the right word if you're not reaching the summit if you just reach like a middle level but there you were climbing to sort of like towns or cities or these quite impressive looking places um that gives you a little bit of that dopamine hit as well when you uh you get to a nice sort of impressive vista. You can turn around and appreciate how high you've climbed. And then do you know what, Jamie? You put your equipment back on your back and you set off and do another uh, little climb. You get to somewhere else pretty as well. I'm, I'm, is it 
Is this some of your bouldering experience coming into play, James? <laughs> it is a little bit, yeah. Some of my bouldering. But no, it looked good. I like the look of it. I thought it looked interesting. And the art style was, um, was nice as well. Uh, talking about something that had an interesting art style and was maybe a little change of pace, uh, Dungeons of Hinterberg um, mm. seemed interesting to me, the way that that mashed together, um, like, middle-aged soccer mum sitting at home, writing on a, a kitchen table, and suddenly yep. she was um, defeating mobs in dungeons, which... Returnal um, 2. <laughs> Returnal 2, Dungeons of Interberg. <laughs> yeah. No, no this, it's, you'll be it's right. cool. Star Wars nuts, right? Yeah, it looked, it looked like an animated kids show. Um, but then, yeah, it went into a full-on, like, you know, dungeon Roma, which was, um, which was interesting. I'm not quite sure what you're going to be getting from those dungeons to take back to your uh, semi-detached, two-up-two-down <laughs> house in the suburbs. But it looked cool. Probably a, a bottle of a very dry white wine. Possibly. Imagine that. Imagine if that's what, that was the subplot to the game. Uh, Jonesy, nobody knows women in their 40s like I do, and they love the driest of dry white wines. Pinot Grigio, yes, fucking please. Large glass, if you will. Um, we've already talked about one game which takes you into the, uh, into the oceans. Uh, still wakes the deep. This looked quite interesting. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't see the horror immediately. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie. It was. Um, I was maybe lulled into the idea that this was someone who was on an oil rig as the oil rig was falling apart, and you were gonna have to try and survive it. But there were definite horror undertones, Jamie. And I know this game's gonna try and scare me. Yes, which kind of puts you in a weird sort of like situation of like, well, actually, I don't know how I feel about being scared. Um, but then I guess that's part of the fun, right? That's from what I understand about horror enthusiasts. That's actually what they like, um, as, as 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 odd or as unappealing as that might sound. Um, I, I but I also say for what it's worth that that like a completely isolated oil rig in the middle of an ocean is like kind of like what we were saying about earlier about under the waves is like that perfect kind of isolated claustrophobic setting for a horror tinged adventure. So yeah, one to keep an eye on. Um, one definitely to keep an eye on is Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty, the DLC, which oh, will be coming boy. out in uh, September. Um, this is an interesting one. So, okay, we're going to have to try and unpack this a little bit because um, you've read more than I have uh, about not just Phantom Liberty, but kind of what's going on with Cyberpunk in general. Um, so to uh, attack the DLC first. So, okay, this is a DLC which kind of slots into the campaign of cyberpunk um it is not happening right at the end it's happening somewhere in the middle and you should be able to access this um this dlc or this mission um in dogtown um sort of not having finished the main game it follows uh, a path whereby the president um is shot down and v goes in to like get the president out um and it's kind of apparently it is like a a spy thriller-esque uh, yeah, sort that's of the genre they're describing it as, right? Yeah, which is which is obviously very interesting um, from a from cyberpunk. Cyberpunk has this whole idea. Cyberpunk, sorry, has this whole idea. I think I called it cyberfunk or something. It's the type of music they should have in the game. That's, that's a whole other game that I want to play. <laughs> um, uh, they obviously have the way that you can attack missions like in different ways. You don't just have to go in loud. You can sneak in. But this is yeah, they're going for spy thriller. Um, and this introduces Idris Elba's character, um, which, Solomon Reed. Yes, 
Uh, I'm so I Wait. didn't actually get who is he who is he playing in the game? Did they tell us the character so, he's going to be? I think I know, from what I understand that he is a like a sleeper agent that is reactivated once the president finds themselves in hot water, which I think technically for the most part makes him um, an an ally to V. Um, but it sounds like whether it's whether it's Solomon Reed, whether it's the president, or whether it's another character whose name escapes me. This is going to be, unsurprisingly, for the spy thriller genre, um, a, a a a story or a narrative where the line between ally and enemy is is both um, paper thin and crossed regularly. So we'll have to wait and see. But I, I, it's difficult because if you make Idris Elba the bad guy, you don't get much out of him, right? Like you right. want him to be there with you at least for some portion of the game, and that's what they. You know the the the, the genius thing about uh, Johnny Silverhand, who is of course uh, present in this game because it's set in the middle of cyberpunk story, and Keanu has come back to record a bunch of new dialogue and whatnot. But the genius thing about him living in V's head is that you're getting the full amount of mileage you can possibly get out of Keanu Reeves. Like you're hiring a Hollywood actor, and they're literally in the player's head. Um, so because yeah. it must be quite frustrating if you hire like a big name like that and then they're in like a few scenes and some players won't even get to that part of the game you know parts of the game that you'll even see that it must oh, be nice right. to be able to go no no he's just going to pop up and chat to you like i start I, I hate do it, like starting a thing this way because I, I, like it inevitably teases something that i'm never going to do but i started writing a script weirdly enough inspired by uh, star wars jedi survivor for reasons i won't elaborate on because it would involve spoilers but it was about how video games handle um, bad guys or villains and the nature of their re- the relationships that video games try to create between protagonists and antagonists to get as much leverage out of them as they possibly can. Because video games have this classic problem that TV shows and movies don't, which is that if you're kind of on a very individual or very personal journey with a protagonist, you can't cut away and see what the bad guy is doing for half an hour. Like, the... The protagonist has to see it, has to hear it, has to witness it, because we have to know exactly what the protagonist knows, and we have to say, go on the same journey as the protagonist goes on, because we live vicariously through them. Um, and so that's why so many games do things where like, um, there'll be a means for the uh, the antagonist to speak to you all the time, like over a radio, or like that happens in Bioshock, that happens in the Far Cry games, that happens, you know, and I, I was just thinking about like Call of Duty games that like they've done that before, or the the other alternative that they do all the time is the bad guy starts off as a good guy, which is again thinking of Call of Duty. How do you get the most leverage out of Kevin Spacey? You make him the not quite bad guy until he's the real bad guy, you know? <laughs> yep. And then you get and that's how yeah, and then you do that the whole game, and then it's fine. It's like the um, it's almost like the uh, murder mystery thing. If you haven't been introduced to the killer by the uh, I think it's the the end of the first act, you've already met them which is the same as oh, video yeah. games, yeah. If you haven't it's met exactly the big bad yet, then you've already met them. Um, yeah. But so this gets a little bit interesting though with Cyberpunk because so I think a lot of what people have said who have played um, some of this DLC already is that it is very pretty, it it works fantastically well, um, but it actually seems to work better than Cyberpunk base game. Um, and then what yeah. has actually been revealed, you know, alongside of this, but, Cy- but CD Projekt Red aren't really talking about at this point um, well, so I suppose they're not not talking about it, but they haven't sort of outright announced it, is that actually they've done a hell of a lot of reworking of base systems. So we're talking um, the police systems having, um, you know, actually having sort of like a five-star uh, police force after you if you do a certain amount of things wrong and doing a whole new way they do that. They've got new um, sort of like AI for enemies. Um, 
They have reworked the perk system. Um, it's, it, they're, they're doing a hell of a lot, but they're sort of being kind of quiet about it at the moment. Yeah, Skill Up in his video suggested that at this point in the process, they really want to focus on Phantom Liberty and then talk about Cyberpunk later, which I guess makes sense. But yeah, for anyone curious, both the, uh, the ones that I've read, both VGCs and GameSpot's written previews, both basically had the exact same headlines, which is that Phantom Liberty is cool, but also this is Cyberpunk 2077 2.0, which is, again, I don't want to fall into a hype trap and I don't want to lure anyone listening into a hype trap uh, because um, we've all been on our own individual journeys with this fucking video game and we don't need to relive them. Um, but I'm very curious to see... Um, I'm very curious to see what Cyberpunk 2077 looks like uh, when this DLC releases. That's what I'll say. Yeah, no, agreed. 100%. Um, if you didn't get your uh, fill of Persona 5 yet, Metaphor Refantasio um, is coming from Atlas. It's Atlas, isn't it? Is it Atlas? Um, it is Atlas, yeah. Uh, so you can get another dose of this kind of goodness. I only want to talk about this because it's got a funny name. It's like the same thing we said about the... Uh, one of the Persona 5 was it Persona 3 remake it was like people like Persona so I presume people like Metaphor Refantasio this is one of those I hope they're happy <laughs> there you go that's all we need to say about it but look the show ended up we then said at the end like is there going to be one more thing are they going to do one final announcement before the end of the show um, and they did kind of because they had the Xbox Series S Carbon Black which they uh, showed off and they talked about the fact that you can get a one terabyte expansion um uh for your xbox which is you know good i like that however we thought there might be an extra game jamie i was just like a thousand percent believe there would be because i was like you don't end the showcase part of this on a new color of series s you do one more thing and then i'm gonna hand over to todd but he didn't he just but there was one more thing and it was over half an hour and it was amazing and of course i'm talking about the starfield having its own like show at the end of this show where it really it wasn't it was just the final reveal it was the one more thing was an epically massive big thing and so they didn't need a little one more thing before the big big thing um starfield okay we've all <laughs> we've been going for all sorry go on let's go where do we even begin yes this was this was big um there was a lot of stuff talked about um we have been going for nearly two hours already, so we will have to sort of like get through it. But I strongly recommend, if you're interested in Starfield, to go and check out the entire thing, and watch all of it, because we got to see a hell of a lot more than we've ever seen before. And it was really cool to actually see how all that functions um, in the world. So, for example, there were um, some things that were sort of confirmed, like there are um, over a thousand planets, multiple star systems, the way that you're going to be traversing from... Um, uh, one planet to another, and you know you're going to be entering orbit. You're going to be having battles with um, ships in orbit. You're going to be docking, uh, trading with other people in space, um, or raiding their ships, docking, going in, killing them, taking all of their sandwiches, as I think we saw someone <laughs> doing. Um, but then at the same time, you can land on any one of these 1,000 worlds. Some are desolate, barren, like lunar places, um, where you can just mine them for some resources. Some are going to be massive cities uh, where you can get other side quests and you can explore and you can meet up with different factions. We also got to look at some of the different factions. We're talking space cowboys. That was that was fun, wasn't it? 
Um, oh yeah, <laughs> featuring cowboy hats and facial hair and revolvers and all the everything you'd expect from a cowboy. Yes, uh, I, I can't remember the other factions that we got to see. There was quite I mean, a few. There were like there was like uh, I think there were two factions that were sort of like piratey in nature. Um, the ones who were like in all black. Um, yes, God, God, oh, they, they almost looked like some weird like high security kind of outfit, didn't they? Almost yep. like a like a like a uh, what do they call like a PMC almost vibe. Yeah, you had the faction, obviously, which is the main one, which you're going to be meeting with and working with at first, which is the United Constellations, is it? United Constellations? Yeah, I, I think they, I think the con- shorthand is just Constellations, is what they call it, just sometimes. But when you put together some stuff we've already seen before, so like the modular shipbuilding, the fact that you can just go to shipyards, build new ships, buy ships, uh, sort of do anything you want, hire crew, um, have mechs working for you that you can take with you around the universe. There was a lot of base building that they showed off. Um, the, the combat looks much more meaty than anything we've seen up to date. They've sort of reworked all of these systems, whole new animation systems. We got to see some of the planetary fighting and the use of uh, booster packs and how you're going to be interacting with the different gravity and how it works on different worlds and how that factors into your fighting. Um and also, I think one of the one of the cool things was just sort of really driving home that RPG element of you can really, you know, make this game what you want it to be. And if you want to be a pirate and a yeah. raider, you can be. If you want to be uh, a trader and you just want to load up your ship with stuff and take it from planet to planet to city to city to sell, you can do. Um, yeah, I was so hyped for this. Um, there's so much, I think, that was just like to get your teeth into and to be excited for. And I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it as well. And you're right that like there's there's an incredible amount to digest. Um, I feel like I'm still digesting some of it in some respects. Like in in the early stages of that live stream, uh, we were watching it together, and I was kind of scrambling for like analogs, you know, to things I like things I'd seen in other games that were comparable to what we're seeing now. And like No Man's Sky popped up in my head a couple of times, but the more I saw and the more I consumed, um, the more kind of illuminated you kind of end up becoming, and actually. I can actually see what this game is. I can see where its restraints are. Like I can see how big it is and how ambitious it is, but I can also see how it's going to function or what I might be doing when I'm playing this game for the most part. And I think the most like illuminating element of that whole showcase direct, whatever you want to call it was right towards the end. I think there's a very simple line from Todd Howard, which is just what it's, I, I, I can't remember it verbatim, but it's worse to the effect of, this is a, like a Bethesda RPG that you know and love on a scale to, of which you've never seen before. And I was like, do you know what? Like, yeah, I can see all the roots and all the, you know, I can see how outpost building on a planet might be similar to outpost building in Fallout 4, for example. I'm sure it's been improved, but I can see how a lot of this stuff is born from the systems you've experimented with before. But you're absolutely right in that it looks like you're pushing things to the nth degree in just about every which direction you've got the time and the money and the scope to do so. Um, and that's, you know, those ideas and that, you know, that ambition, if it all pays off, will lend themselves to um, an incredibly expansive, um, an incredibly large video game with a little bit of something for everyone um, that I really hope lives up to all the expectations. Um, and I hope, you know, circumvents some of the trademark Bethesda jank. I hope the people who love complaining about 30 frames a second on consoles are able to dry their tears in time for release. Um, and I hope my PC can keep up with the carnage um, so I can uh, enjoy this game's arrival on Game Pass. 
Absolutely. That's that's one one positive I've got, I suppose, out of this is because it's on Game Pass, I'll be playing it on my PC, which means I won't have to worry about the 30 frames a second on console. <laughs> yeah, and there you go. Secretly, little inside scoop. I'm uh I think I'm getting a new PC from work. Um and my manager got one like a few months ago and he got a 3080. So I'm hoping I do. I've what have I got? I think I've got a 3070 Ti. So I I you know, we'll see. You'll be fine. I reckon you'll be fine. I Actually, so. specs specs came out today, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, I can't remember what they were, but yeah, I think I think you'll be all right. I'll have to have a little check, see where I'm at. Um, then, okay, that was the end. Then, obviously, that yeah, that was the the, the finished off the end of the Xbox Games um, showcase. They finished with Starfield. So, I think the last thing we want to cover off is actually one that happened today, mere hours before we started recording, um, and that yep. was Ubisoft Forward. We're not going to go through everything on this just because we've been going for so long, but we definitely have to talk about a few of these games. But a little bit of a bizarre show, I think you said, Jamie. You'd, I didn't actually get to watch it. Yeah, you watched it. You thought it was a little bit... Yeah. Old. Like, it felt like... Ubisoft have always had a, a penchant for slightly outlandish and larger-than-life uh, E3 showings, even though we're no longer in E3. And Ubisoft, of course... Ubisoft leaving E3 was arguably one of the last things... You know that that caused the ESA to cancel it outright. That's another story. Uh, but this didn't even feel like an old school Ubisoft showcase. This felt like an E3 showcase from like the kind of the 2010, 2011, 2012 era, where like shit is just awkward and stilted. Um, like that you could tell there were a lot of production difficulties. They went with this really weird choice where it was a a live show happening in a what looked like a very small room but that they would cut to like an alternate feed for the trailers. But that feed seemed messed up, and a lot of the audio channels on the trailers didn't come out right. Also, the timing of it was usually off, so that the trailer would end, and you'd really abruptly cut back to the stage, by which point the developer was already standing there receiving a round of applause that was halfway over. Um, there were like some really uncomfortable moments. Uh, one guy, I can't, Avi Shankar is, is his name? The dude who like makes weird like Power Rangers fan movies on um, YouTube and ended up uh, producing that Castlevania anime. Like He was on stage at one point in full cosplay that was meant to be ironic, but then none of the jokes he told afterwards landed, which meant the whole, I meant the whole irony of the situation kind of... It, it was just a very weird show that I didn't think was very well thought, thought through or put together. And it was also Ubisoft... To wrap up everything that we're not going to talk about, it was Ubisoft, I think in spite of how cool some things looked, struggling to get themselves out of a hole that they have created for themselves, where, like, they still have to talk about some of the weird free-to-play or mobile games that they've got going on because they've committed to those now. They still, for some fucking reason, have to feel like they had to have to mention Skull and Bones. We were, we were joking before the thing, like, I don't think you even talk about Skull and Bones, in my opinion, if I'm organizing this Ubisoft forward. They went one step further and had a fucking band come out and sing a Skull and Bones sea shanty. Like, I, I the, so... Maybe because they didn't want to talk about it, they're like, we'll just sing about it instead. I don't, don't acknowledge it. Do what they did to Beyond Good and Evil 2, Jonesy, and just stop acknowledging it exists until, like, <laughs> it's more... Until you know it's fucking happening. So, yeah, a bit of a mess of a show... A lot of middling games, a lot of like shovelware that I think they just need to get out of their system. But to go full circle, two or three things that look promising. 
yeah, so let's talk about the the things that look promising. We've, so we've actually already spoken about uh, Prince of Persia, the Lost Crown um, that we saw in Summer Game Fest. We won't be touching on that here, um, even though obviously Ubisoft game. So first up, let's talk about Avatar uh, Frontiers of Pandora. Um, mm. So I watched the trailer for this just before coming on here because I didn't actually watch the show. And I'll, I'll set you up because then you could tell me your thoughts on it. Because my my reactions were as to actually finally getting to see like a decent chunk of gameplay of this game. Um, a very pretty world, as you would expect. Um, yep. Some interesting ideas um, and like concepts and trying to put those things together about, you know, being one of the Navi and actually riding around on those alien animals and sort of. But then I suppose it seemed to then get a bit odd for me and a little bit jank when it came to the actual combat and the fighting where you're sort of like fighting mechs and you're trying to take out helicopters and you're trying to, I don't know. There just seemed to be a little bit of, I wasn't quite expecting them to go that route with this game and it didn't look as good as I was anticipating. I'll tell you, okay, here's an example for what I'm trying to say. When you look at like Horizon, that is the level that I thought that they would be going at. And it's like, when you talk about combat and things like that, that would make total sense to me. This didn't look like that. This didn't, this looked like quite a lot worse if I'm, Okay. really harsh no do you know what actually we're in, we're closer to being in agreement than I thought we'd be um, and your your horizon argument is actually really apt like horizon is a game that takes bows and arrows and slings and traps and stuff like that and makes them work for the duration of, of what is a very long game Avatar Frontiers of Pandora has actually clearly got cold feet about the prospect of slings and uh, bow and arrows because they have created a very conceited narrative hook where you were playing as a navi that was kidnapped by humans at birth trained to use human weaponry and can now therefore wield assault rifles shotguns and rocket launchers which i think lends itself to the slightly off kilter feeling that you were getting where oh i'm a navi i'm a blue person with a bow and arrow riding on this majestic weird dragon creature and everything's lush and everything's green and this is beautiful rainforest and now i'm gonna land in this factory and shoot everyone with an assault rifle um there's a disconnect there that I, I feel like was slightly uncomfortable. The word jank didn't come to mind for me, um, but I was like, I prefer the Avatar shit to the non-Avatar shit. Um, but the thing, the thing that I came away from this thinking more than anything else is this is a Far Cry game. Yeah, yes. When they started talking about how you can take out bases that they've got and then right. they, uh, it, can, you know, it goes back to the uh, reclaimed by the planet and stuff, and I was like, okay. Okay, so there are outposts that I've got to scan and I've got to... Yeah, no, I thought kind of the same thing. Yeah, I, I will throw them a bit of a bonus. So what you said about the the weird sort of juxtaposition of uh, the Navi with the assault rifle. So did you see the last Avatar movie? I did not. So that is a decent part of that is the fact that they get uh, a group of Marines and they put them into blue people and then they're rocking around in kind of what the, she's wearing in this trailer. So they're walk, rocking around like camo with t-shirts and assault rifles. Okay. Um, so I, I kind of was like, all right, there's even a couple of scenes of this where they've taken right out of the film, um, whereby uh, you are sort of like leaping through the air, shooting them with an assault rifle. Um, I think like Jake Sully's character sort of does both in the film as well. So, And then you have the Marines that just go full on assault rifles, shotguns, and then you have 
um, the other Navi who have obviously the spears, the bows and arrows. But it just it just didn't come together for me in this trailer at all. It just felt, jank yeah. is maybe the wrong word. I'm, I'm, I just, it didn't it didn't seem like impactful and cool and like some of the graphics seemed a little off to me. Some of the 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 way that you were doing some of the combat just seemed a little bit. I, I don't know. I, I, maybe maybe more to be seen because it could turn into a really cool game. It could be a really cool concept to sort of put those things together and mix and match like. Yeah, tech and animal stuff. But I'm 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 hopeful, and the exploration looked really quite. I I don't know. I think there's something about. I'm not one of those people who's got Avatar fatigue uh, after two movies in the like uh, uh, that were fucking god knows how many years apart. Like some people have. So I'm down to explore that world. I'm glad that's coming out this year. You know, it's exciting to have a a big a new feeling Ubisoft thing uh, in the calendar. Definitely. Um, Assassin's Creed Mirage yeah. had, had me excited. Me too. Me too. What did you like about it? Um, I really like the fact that it looks like a traditional Assassin's Creed game. Um, yep. it, it looks, we, we've talked about this before, how this kind of works. So it looks like Assassin's Creed 1 looks in my brain. <laughs> I know that <laughs> Assassin's Creed doesn't look like that. Um, and I believe there's even a mode whereby you can have it uh, get the, the filter, like, right? Yes, so you can make it look. Yeah. Which a like, why the hell would you do that? Um, and b leave it in your brain if that's how it looked. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I'm happy to leave that in my head because I know that it doesn't actually look as good as I think it looks when I originally played Assassin's Creed. Um, but no, uh, yeah, I and I really like the look of uh, the new. Um, I think there was like a smoke mine that he deployed at one point, which is like proximity mine. And then like the red cloud of like dust that comes out to sort of mask where he's trying to escape. I like the injection of color into those things. I think that's something they haven't played around with. They often try and go maybe cool and techie with Assassin's Creed because it sort of is kind of sci-fi rooted. But this seemed to be a bit more like, no, bright and colorful. And you're trying to, you're Basim and you're, you're uh, running through hmm. the streets of, um, I, can't remember, well, I can't remember what city is that they're running through. Oh, I can't remember either. Sorry. Um, yeah, no. And, and exactly what I want from an Assassin's Creed game after I've got a little bit of fatigue about the big, all like encompassing RPG Assassin's Creed games. So I'm, I'm looking forward to playing sort of a more contained uh, experience. Yeah. That's, that's, I, I feel like you and me see that in the exact same way, which is that you, there are, there's a little bit of like uh sort of Valhalla esque DNA here. Like, they put out a like a sort of a a, a, a cinematic not, not a cinematic trailer but like a story trailer separately and I could see in some of the faces and animations and I was like oh yeah this is this was a game that started as DLC for Valhalla which it is um, but once it got into the gameplay you're absolutely right like the attempts to kind of like rework the formula and slim down the formula to something more akin to kind of like the pillars on which the original AC games were based social stealth you know, like actual assassinations of actual targets in, you know, dense and unpopulated areas. Like, that's what Assassin's Creed is still about to a lot of people. Makes perfect sense to go back to that stuff. Basim's a cool character to do it with. It looks pretty enough. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm, I, I have played every Assassin's Creed game, I think, ever. Um, and, like, I finished Valhalla almost reluctantly. And so now it's been not, it's nice that there's, A, been a break, and B, they're making something that just feels like it's more in tune with what fans have been crying out for. Um, I, I usually the podcast don't respond to chat because, uh, you know, then when we put it up for the podcast, the podcast people would be like, oh, why are you talking about chat? But I have to say, 
because yeah. someone in chat, Joel specifically, has said something so I completely disagree with, which he said, I liked it when he used Blink, and I did not like that. That is one thing that I was like, why have you done that? Like, that was that, that, that chain assassination thing. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, Joel. I, I completely disagree with the old Blink thing. I was, I because they had it, like, so the way that you sort of set the targets, yeah, I think he said, like, I'm going to attack these three targets in these ways. And I was actually quite excited for how that was going to look and how it was going to work, thinking that he was going to sort of assassinate one and then maybe do some cool like acrobatics to get to the next one. But then when it was straight out of Shadow of Mordor, I was like, oh, that's a cheat. Well, I, 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 it is a cheat, but I was watching something earlier and an individual said one word that made me go, huh, okay, animus. No, yeah, okay, but I thought the none, whole- None of it's real, baby. I, I thought the whole point was that they more recently have been like, trying to separate the animus from the game. Do you know what I mean? Like they're trying to not make it as like one-to-one. They, they've gone back and forth on that, but yeah, you're right. And and also technically, I think even with the animus, you're reliving the memories of your ancestors. Yeah. And while memories can be fucked up, like you're right. Like it, 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 it's like, it's a bit of like a weird thing. Like it's a reality breaking thing, but I actually don't mind it. And it reminded me of, was it Splinter Cell Conviction? where you could like tag three people and then Sam Fisher would just go bang, bang, bang and shoot them all in the head. In, 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 it was actually very fun to do. And that's what I, might, I feel like looking at that. If that's fun to do, I don't care what it looks like to do. It's like, um, it's, it's funny because I, so when it was in Shadow of Mordor, I loved it. I thought it was, a, I thought it was friggin' wicked the way you could do it. But I guess, because this is more like you pasting targets. Maybe, hey, maybe when you're playing it, it'll actually work really well and it'll seem really cool and you know, I'll change, exact, I'll change what I'm saying. I'll say like, no, it's my favourite feature. But maybe, like maybe, maybe. Um, so also, also speaking of Sam Fisher, that's just reminded me there was no Splinter Cell here. But anyway, no. like yeah, but yeah. It's interesting. We actually talking about the fact, like you were saying, with Sam Fisher, you can tag targets and you can uh, interact with them because there was a game that they also showed off where you could do the same thing, Jamie, when you were on a speeder, and that was Star Wars Outlaws, which yeah looked phenomenal. I'm gonna say. I was gonna say. I think you're. Ironically, with your, I think you're maybe more positive on this than me. So, what, you, what, do, what, what sort of, what did you uh, like about this? Okay, it's young female Han Solo with her little um, animal companion, which like straight out of uh, Jedi, Jedi Fallen Order. Like, what's he called? BT. Like, it's your own little BT, but it's an animal. It's not a robot. Like the way you can send it off to like do stuff. B- like, BD. BD. Sorry, BD. BT's Titanfall. BT's um, Titanfall. Very different size, but functionally identical. <laughs> <laughs> um, I th- so the, the, the visuals I thought were absolutely amazing. Um, I wasn't expecting it to look as good as it did. Star Wars uh, is such a rich lore that you can draw from, but at the same time, it's got to look Star Wars. And I think from the first shot, I was like, yeah, this, this looks completely Star Wars. Like I, I was really enjoying sort of like how, how the level was laid out. I'm sure they started the, the demo from that point in order to show the fact that it looked that good and it looked like Star Wars. I'm sure that's why they did it. Um, yeah. But I was, a, yeah, the the third person, like cover shooting, the way that they, the blasters would work and they sounded. Um, I th- The person playing was, um, in, uh, some of their aim was a bit off. I'm not sure if that was on mm. purpose. I did wonder if that was on, if that was to like try and show something, but I couldn't quite figure why they, were choosing to like not shoot enemies in proper. I, d- I don't know. Am I being mean? Like, 
Was that they could have recorded that bit of footage I, I again? I don't know if being mean. Like, I don't know. Like, yes, it, like, fun, yeah, of course. If you're recording gameplay for that specific purpose and you wanted every single shot to land, you can make there. Are, there are ways to make sure that happens. So you've got to imagine it's like a does like it's by design. If it doesn't pay off, or they couldn't be bothered to re-record that segment, or what? I don't know. It just made I, me. I didn't. I didn't notice the aim being that weird. But then again, like. If you're making a Star Wars game, someone landing one in every fifty shots is is lore accurate. There was it's just a part where they, for some reason, they were trying to headshot someone who was hiding behind cover, and a mate. I think actually what they were trying to say was, look, the enemy's hiding behind cover, but they noticeably were shooting at the cover rather than aiming a little bit above. Right. Okay. Just I don't know, just a little weird. But no, but the the way that yeah, you had like uh, stormtroopers or whatever they were um, hiding. It wasn't stormtroopers. What was it? It Was like. um, hired guns i think it was like guns for hire i think that's the name that popped up um right uh and had them sort of like getting into cover while you were shooting at them and trying to sort of like quickly escape get on your speeder i'm guessing that it's like a hub world layout um it's and- it's, it's open world oh, it's open okay open it, world. it's been that's one thing that we missed it's been confirmed as the first ever open world star wars game oh, is okay. how they're touting it Fair enough. Which is interesting, right? Yeah. When absolutely. you think about like the wanted system they almost hinted at and things like that, like kind of changes how you think about a lot of those elements. Yeah, I, I just assumed like straight away, I was like, okay, Hub World is going to be, you know, this is how it's going to work. Um, but on the planet stuff, I absolutely loved. I thought it looked great, sounded great. Um, as I alluded to, uh, the on-speeder sort of like bullet time where they were sort of like tagging two targets and then she was like blasted them out of the um, sky, very low ground um, as they were flying mm. along. I loved all of that sort of stuff. Getting on board your ship, Taking off and flying through atmosphere, Jamie, which was something that uh, oh. Starfield couldn't pull off. Um, the in-space stuff didn't quite look as good. It looked a little... I don't know what the right word is. Maybe a little stilted. And yeah. some of the fighting with the TIE fighters looked a little... Like it could use some love. I, I think stilted is a good word to describe a lot of this demo for me. Okay. Um, as in like almost every single component of it from like the, the third person shooting elements to the speeder and speeder shooting elements to even some of the traversal and then the dog fighting at the end, everything just looked like it could use a little bit of WD 40 just to loosen it up and <laughs> yeah. get it, just get it moving a little bit smoother. Nothing inherently wrong with any of it. And I will back up what you said that it, one it absolutely felt like star Wars and two, I thought it looked really sharp, like in like in like art direction and sort of like invo- the the quality and the environments and and the character, like everything uh, everything was really top dollar. Um, and I suppose the thing that I I'm trying to remind myself when it comes to some of my initially uncertain initial uncertainties around the third person shooting chops is that whilst this is also primarily being developed by Massive. Um, one of the key creatives on this is Julian Garrity, who was one of the key folk on the Division Two, which um, well, some people rubbed up the wrong way by its uh, number-heavy RPG uh, style of third-person shooting. It was a third-person shooter that I thought felt very good, like shooting guns in the Division, taking cover and shooting people always felt nice to me. Um, and so, if there's some of that DNA that's maybe still to be imparted as this game continues development. Um, then that'd be great because this felt like a vertical slice like this was a like a very um, manicured and very you know carefully considered eight 
to 10 minutes that showed off all these different components of the gameplay, enough personality for you to get behind the protagonist. And like, yeah, cool. Like, go, absolutely go out and make a vertical slice. Show us something of this game because fuck knows that this Ubisoft forward needed it, I think. Um, it was the right thing to do. But I'm, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like when it's just had a little bit more time, you know, just a little bit more time in the oven, a little bit closer to release. Maybe, maybe, maybe as far away as next summer, for all we know. It like, like, because this is, I think, I think it's a 2024 game, but I doubt it's coming out in the first half of next year. Um, I think they'd have. Oh yeah, that's just my gut reaction. And so it's like, if we're sat here again this time next year, and they've got another 12 months of work on that game under their belt, I think it could look really, really nice. Promising, incredibly promising start is what I'm saying. Just not. It, it was a vertical slice, though. Yes, yeah. It is funny because anytime you look at sort of gameplay footage, obviously you can see what they're doing and you can see what the characters are doing, how things seem to be working, but you have no idea how it feels. And it could be that because you get that strange thing that you can have a game that looks absolutely incredible. And when you get your hands on it, it feels like an on rails, zero freedom, like really badly to control game that is horrible to play. Uh, And you can have a game that looks totally different, that looks like a piece of crap. But then when you play it, it feels fantastic and it's really slick. So no, you're absolutely right. And that it could be, um, yeah, it, 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 they absolutely can nail the visuals, but it could feel very different to actually play it, play it for yourself. Um, but no, yeah. I, I, I think I'm with you. Like um, the, It looks like they're in a very good place to take this um, further. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with, like, yeah, now that you said it's open world, I'm like, okay, I, I'm interested to see how that develops, and how that sort of plays out. Yeah, um, especially again, like when they put the the tagline out, and I've just double checked, it's in like the description of the YouTube video, the first ever open world Star Wars game. You kind of have a moment where you're like, "Huh, I guess they're right." And wow, that must be a slightly daunting undertaking. But I hope they pull it off. Yeah, like that. What I oh, yeah, that's tricky to even know what that really means. Yeah, in that in that look, having now looking back in my mind at what they've shown, I'm like, okay. Especially given, as you said, that demo ends with someone getting into a ship and going into outer space and dogfighting. So it's like, how does that tie up with this being an open world? I don't know. I don't want to second guess anything, but like, was that just scripted? Was that a mission sequence um, that you then land and never do again? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> or is this Starfield 2? <laughs> do, do you know what's funny is when I was watching it, I was a, there was a bit of like, oh, yeah, some of the, is, is there some sort of like crossover yeah. between Starfield and how this looks and how it sort of seems to be? Well, by the way, one last funny thing, courtesy of the the live show itself. Eat this before this uh, before the gameplay. That was the point that Eve got on stage to say thanks everyone for coming. I hope you've enjoyed the show. And now for a look at our grand finale, and he called it Star Wars Outlook. Um, <laughs> which, is, which is very fun to imagine Eve uh, sitting there in his office, imagining a team that had been developing like a Star Wars email sending simulator. Um, and he's bitterly disappointed to see that it's actually just an open world third person shooter. Oh man, that's, that's, that's perfect. Like it's... That's, that is the most Ubisoft live TV thing at all. Eve gets on stage to thank everyone. He's got one line and he calls <laughs> his big finish game Star Wars Outlook. Yeah, that's... <laughs> and, oh, then, okay. and then he goes... Oh, and he thinks about correcting himself, but it's too late. People are clapping and he just walks backwards. 
<laughs> I'm gonna have to go and like watch that now just for that. Like I want to see it. I wonder oh, if they've. Man. I wonder if they've scrubbed it from the internet. They're <laughs> like, no one will see that. Or they've dubbed it. It's like a really obvious yeah. dub of someone doing a bad French accent going. Oh yes, yeah. like like a fucking fucking sixties martial arts movie. <laughs> yeah. Star Wars, Outlaws. <laughs> I would love that if that's what they do. Oh, okay. Anyway, this has been a, a bit of a beast of a show. Um, I think, I think we'll probably leave the rest of the a few other bits that we had, but we'll probably oh, reduce to time. Yeah, I think I think we covered the main things off. And do you know what's we nice did. about this, Jonesy, is that we have gone so late that the Capcom showcase has started and finished since <laughs> So I can tell you that um, Capcom showcase uh, included more look of that uh, Kunitsugami Path of the Goddess game that was at the Expo showcase. Um, a a demo for Ghost Trick Phantom Detective is now up on Steam. Mega Man X Dive Offline is coming to Steam and Mobile. Um, there's a bunch of Street Fighter stuff. Uh, another look at Resident Evil 4 in VR. Uh, a new trailer for Pragmata, but that ended with a end slate that just said, by the way, this game has been delayed, which was like, yeah, no shit. Um, uh, Ghost Trick demo progress carries over into the main game. Uh, there's another. Ace Attorney Trilogy um, coming out in early 2024. Uh, there's, there was an Exo Primal trailer and confirmation of a second open beta. And they closed with Dragon's Dogma 2, but no release date. Well, there you go. That was very, in a nutshell. Yeah, very well done. Thank you for that little uh, rundown on Capcom. My Which pleasure. You- Just, wait, Jonesy, it's one less thing that we have to fucking talk about <laughs> next week. So, <laughs> Yeah, there you go. That's true. Um, thank you so much, everybody. Thank you, Jamie, for uh, being here. And, um, My pleasure. Thank you. Being the voice of experience and knowledge, um, as I'm always grateful that you are. Thank no, you. Um, we share that. Thank you to uh, all of our uh, supporters, to our patrons, and to chat on YouTube. Um, shout out to all of you who've been watching along with us uh, as we've been doing this. Um, and I don't think I'm forgetting anything else. It's very late now. It's nearly midnight. I'm tired. What can I say? Um, we will see you again, uh, real soon. Thank you so much to everybody for joining us. Um, see you later. Bye.